Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I bring the strange in a two-plus-hour episode revisiting Multiversity number 2, Exploding Secret Wars number 1, verging on Convergence and Divergence, as well as recovering from three issues of the mid-80s series Hex and three issues of the early-year maybe series Spider-Gwen. Show notes, not crow throats or groan votes, are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester, welcome to today's special show. Graham was paying far too much attention to the live blog of the UK election results. <laughs> Whereas I, I still haven't watched the uh, the Charlie Brooker's election wipe, which I, I'm oh, really looking forward to seeing. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's it's got some really, really, really. Uh, it's got, sort of sounds ridiculous to go. It's got some really smart bits because it's Charlie Brooker. And that's kind of what he does, right? But um, there's some really funny. Dumb bits, if that makes sense. Yes. So yeah, I I, I liked it a lot. That was the first thing I did this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will. It's probably what I'll be doing tonight after we get off the phone. So, um, so Graham McMillan, it feels like it is. Feels like it's been like four days since I spoke to you last. If that, if that, four days feels at least like two and a half. I I am. <laughs> Impressively underprepared for this podcast. Oh so. well, I want to. I want to start with something that is a follow up to what we said last time. Oh, okay. Which is, uh, we were talking about multiversity. Oh, I thought you meant sexy libertarians. Okay, go on. Yeah. Sadly not. Although you never know. Again, watching UK election results. Um, I I reread and I I did sure enough have a completely different reaction to it, and I'm like, it's great. <laughs> How and why? Walk us through this. Walk us through this. Um, so I reread it, having initially read it and been very disappointed and underwhelmed. And that apparently was very good for me. Because it meant I was expecting nothing as I went into the reread. And because of that, I came away with an entirely different appreciation of it. Which I think is what Morrison was looking for in the first place. And you've either gone or you've put yourself on mute. God damn this stupid <laughs> mute button. <laughs> Hate it? Why do you never do this? I don't understand. Do you have a lap? How do you desk? How do you do it? Fucking hell! Stu- like where? Where is it? Just it just hangs off the edge right of the now. desk, and then I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's my substantial belly fat, like pushes it, gets trapped in between my waist and my gut, and it just. I don't think that's it, but I, I I'm at a loss. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> As yes. I was saying, I felt like the uh, after looking at some of the comments that have been coming in on the la- over the last podcast, I'm like, huh, apparently I'm the only person on the planet who liked Multiversity, uh, the second issue. So I'm like, okay. I'm no, no, no. I'm, I'm no, uh, not only joining you, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking over because I actually really enjoyed it on the reread. Oh, good. Um, I came away with a, a really uh, – Positive appreciation of it, as whereas before I had just been like, "Oh God, oh man, this you know, this just isn't working at all for me." Right. Um, I, like I said, coming at it again mm-hmm. from the well, this is shit, but I probably should read it again. Mm-hmm. Frame of mind, 
was really, really good because I feel that I caught a lot of, it's not even nuance because it's Morrison writing superhero comics. Nuance is almost, you know, it's right. not really there to be yes. perfectly honest, yes. especially this format of superhero comic, which as you said is purposefully written to be brash and bold and, uh, colorful in the sense of brightly colored and garish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there was there was stuff there that I didn't. I, I, when I read it the first time, I very much had the response of this is this is not working. This mm-hmm. this is just you know this is empty and emotionally void spectacle. Mm-hmm. And rereading it, I I not only didn't have that reaction. I was like, oh, I, I get it now. It's an inoculation. Mm-hmm. Like the, the entire comic is very 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 strongly saying. You're looking for something more complicated, but you're not going to get it. And, and, you know, incredibly clearly, and I don't know how I missed this the first time around, placing the the theory that people who want more from their superheroes, more meaning, you know, grittier or realistic or or um, emotionally complex, I guess, mm. um, are are the gentry. That, so, so when the gentry talks about infecting people with their ideas, mm-hmm. that's what it's talking about. It's it, it the gentry is infecting the superhero comic format with a reality that it is not constructed to have in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so, when the superheroes are fighting back against the gentry, it is Morrison doing what Morrison does, which is very much stand up for the their superheroes. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. Like you can put things onto them, and you can give them different faces. You can give them different uh, emotional responses. But that's you projecting all of that onto them. At their heart, they're fictional characters that exist to do good. Uh, interesting. I mean, I, I, how do I put it? I'm like that makes a lot of sense to, for me. I, I almost feel like. Uh, I, how do you feel, how does the last page sort of fit into that? Or am I putting way too much emphasis on the last uh, page? It's, it's page? really, it's really, so I read Multiversity 2 after reading Multiversity 1 again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last page, and in particular the last panel, is a response to the first page. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where the person's banging the door and asking specifically for $800. Yes. So you can, there is a reading of, He's literally just closing the loop. Uh, there's also an interesting reading, for me at least, that exactly the same captions, which seemed menacing at the first issue, mm-hmm. seem uh, optimistic in the second. It goes from, you know, wherever life can th- uh, flourish, life will thrive and life will prosper, being a scary thing to being something that, that we should support, that, that, that we should find hope in. Um and so the eight hundred dollars thing, I I don't like. I I totally see what you you were saying, but for me, when I reread it, it wasn't the eight hundred bucks that I I responded to as much as the sure I owe you, and guess what? And then he provides it. It's it's the feeling of of, of closing the loop of of fulfilling your promise. So I don't know. Again, it, it's. I, I had a very different mindset on um, um, take on. It. I, I was in a very different mind space, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it all seemed much more um, optimistic or upbeat. I guess 
Hmm. And, and much more fulfilling as a result. Hmm. You know, it's funny because I found it – I found it optimistic. Uh, again, after – you know, as I said last week, the Ultra Comics issue ha- had been such a um, – such a happy surprise to me that I was very curious in a way in, for me, there was an element of wit in which the tone from ultra comics really sort of um, bleeds over into multiversity two for me. Uh, and that, the the humor in both is playful uh, it's 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 very playful and it's very light. I'm not exactly sure that I can go dial it all the way over to optimistic. You know, mm-hmm. like I kind of feel that um, if you kind of think of of Morrison's work a, as a bit of a pendulum, you know, where he sort of swings back and forth from one end of the spectrum to the other and. And one end is usually like optimism and hope. And the other one is sort of the chilling depression of reality on, on the other end of it. And, and even as he is always aware, you know, always talks about, um, those ends of the pendulum being interconnected. I sort of felt like multiversity two was kind of the closest it came to, uh, to, to being, to being centered. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah. So it's like multiversity two, uh, the ultra comics issue. And I also feel like, um, you know, some of the stuff that he did, he tapped on in, in action comics for me um, is very where he's kind of at this stage where he's able to present things that you can see in, I think in both lights, I suppose, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to having to swing back and forth between one and the next, I suppose. What is really interesting to me is that, I, like I said, I read Multiversity 1 and then Multiversity 2. And if you read those two as a two-part story, right. and you kind of ignore the many one-shots in between, yes, I think you arguably get a much better experience. It's fascinating. It really is almost as if all you really need is Multiversity 1 and 2 and the guidebook in the middle. You yeah. Know? Like, but even then, I'm not uh, – I really enjoy the guidebook in the middle. Mm-hmm. For a narrative experience, I'm not necessarily sure you really need it. Well, I suppose that's true. There's how do I put it? There's a couple of the the plots. There, the, no, there, there's very there's very specific things that hinge on it existing. Yes. Well, yes. Um, you know, but I'm not necessarily sure that you have to read it as such because I think that oh, I guess you kind of do because it introduces the empty hand. It, it it introduces well, it introduces the empty hand. Uh, Batman. Of the Grail, whatever atomic ba- uh, to- uh, Robo Batman or atomic Batman or whatever. Judge Dredd Batman. Judge exactly. Ah, see, see. So you you've come over to my my way of thinking about it. <laughs> I totally did when I when I was reading him in issue two. Actually, both times I was like, <laughs> he's totally Judge Dredd Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so um, having him recognize that Chibi Wonder Woman is the enemy, 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and that being the moment at which uh, the way in which multiversity number two doesn't end up being almost sort of a repeat of multiversity number one, which mm-hmm. I, which I think is, it's sort of, they're supposed to look like it. So, so for me, and well, I mean, there, there is a person because you get the number one is the ends with, Oh shit. Right. You know, a super monitor has gone bad or, you know, Nexiotin's gone bad. And then issue two is very specifically, no, he invited that into himself, which is the entire, uh, thinking behind ultra comics as well. Mm-hmm. The, what should I do to put into your head? And number two is basically like, Sure, but that can be that can be used for good as well. Hmm. If you have better ideas to combat the bad ideas. Yes, if you have better ideas to, to combat the good ideas. I guess that makes sense. For me the turning point is the idea and and, and you've read them at, together and much more recently, so I I I I definitely um concede the point to you. But there is a way in, in my mind in which it's also there's a lot of stuff you know the Judge Dread Batman is also uh, plays into this Arthurian knight deal, I guess, because of the Knights of the Atomic Table or whatever the hell it's called. Knights of the Periodic Table, the Atomic Knights of the uh, Elemental Table. Who knows how that shit works? Anyway, I'm I'm actually going to look up the handbook right now and see if it's. it's... Can you remember what Earth they are? Ah, oh God, no! Gonna take I'm really bad at that. In fact, at the end of Multiversity da, 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 Two, when da, da, they're like, "We've got to go back to Earth 33 or whatever." Earth 33 is the Ultra Comics Earth. It's our Earth. Ah, uh, I see. I that's see. that's the that's the entire point. The entire point is we are got it. We're we, we are the problem. Yes. we are we are fucking up. Yeah, the yeah. readers are fucking up the superheroes. Is the entire point. Uh, I see. Also, something that's very interesting when you reread them, as I did, is you realize that. There is the seven mystery Earths that are set up in the handbook, which never goes anywhere. Yes. Well, I don't think... They are the, they are the Atomic Knights of Justice. Captain Adam Strange on Earth-17 leads his Atomic Knights of Justice on a desperate last-chance quest to preserve the remnants of humanity 50 years after a nuclear war in 1963. Yeah, yeah. So, so Judge Dredd Batman is... It is definitely is it Percival or Galahad who who finds and and delivers the Grail? Um, he he Batman is searching for the Grail in the handbook issue, and he, the cosmic Grail, Jeff. The cosmic Grail, and he delivers it. That I believe that it's sort of specified in Multiversity Number Two that he has he completes his quest. That that the cosmic Grail is in fact the Multiversity. Guidebook, I want to say. Yes, yeah, out. exactly. He, so. he, had, he, he had it all along. He yeah. had, exactly. A, he had it all along. B, there's that, there is the cycle of renewal and purification that is built there. Like there's a grail legend, which I don't know, which means in theory that there's an entire road to be explored about, you know, the, the, the concept of the Fisher King and, and, uh, you know, who exactly is supposed to represent Arthur, which I, I assume is the sickness uh, of that's infecting the multiverse. You know, the gentry themselves are the sickness, and I suppose the multiverse itself is is Arthur. But it's, you know, it's there's a lot of stuff that's layered in there, but in that very sort of light lay motif kind of way that Morrison mm-hmm. that Morrison's working in. The other thing I really appreciate about Multiversity 2 and Multiversity in general is it's so amazingly additive. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Uh, you know, he he just he really does because he in the the handbook. And I think both of us talked about it at the time. There's so much there that's not been there before. He's created worlds. Yeah. And at least I went into expecting, but it's all going to collapse. Like, you know, they're heading towards some terrible disaster. And they don't. Right. Like, he ends up being like, no, they're all still out there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's also another multiverse, which is the thing I really like. Is that the seven that he talks about or is that something else? that I, That's I something guess. else. Well, you get a, you get one reference in dialogue mm-hmm. to – there being multiple multiverses, multiverses, and the empty hand says that he has already conquered multiverse two. Mm. So okay. you're, you know, right. he he does for multiverses what you know Gardner Fox did for Earths mm-hmm. way back in Flash one twenty three, where he's like, <laughs> sure, you know, there's these fifty two Earths, but there's also other multiverses out there, right? Right, which which does which make is, sense, you know, super cute mm-hmm. and and you know, arguably too cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, I just, I, I find, I find stuff that is additive to superhero comics immensely attractive, especially these days. Right, right. So, so you're willing to forgive it its sins and that. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to forgive. Yeah, I really am. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because it leaves so much space to play in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like here's this fun new character who I'll tell you everything about. It's literally here are, you know, conservatively forty new Earths. Mm-hmm. Where you've only seen maybe a handful of characters. Yeah. And in many of those cases, you've only really seen them in the handbook. And they're all still out there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, here's another multiverse. So mm-hmm. you have everything to play with if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is, is, is super attractive as a reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of flip for a second, Convergence, which, as you know, I'm reading. <laughs> yes. Uh, Convergence has is, is gone nuts. <laughs> nuts in a way that, like, it's not – I'll just say this up front. It's not really a good comic, but it's certainly a fun comic. <laughs> <laughs> now, so Converge, Converge Issue 5 comes out this week. Okay. I just wanted to clarify because there it is one of those weird, weirdly confusing things. Yes. Where... I'm talking about Convergence, the series, not Convergence, the event. Thank you. Okay. Uh, but I will talk about the, the crossovers in a second. Yes. Uh, but Convergence, the series issue five, comes out this week. Mm-hmm. And as everyone knows, the high concept of Convergence is it's all these cities, quote unquote, from different versions of DC's realities, basically from different parts of DC's history, mm-hmm. that are forced into conflict. Mm-hmm. Or it's a stealth uh, warlord story. <laughs> I, I shit you not, Jeff, that's what's come out over the last two issues. <laughs> that, at the end of issue five, so there's three issues left to go. Mm-hmm. The, the battle between the cities mm-hmm. has been halted. Like, peace has been called. Mm-hmm. And he's basically the, the villain, who is a fucking warlord villain, <laughs> is now like, no, you, you can all live, like, you can all live in this new planet. Mm-hmm. So, Presuming that they don't just, you know, destroy it by the end of the series, mm-hmm. incredibly likely for reasons I'll get onto really soon. Yes, um, they have potentially created an ongoing battle world situation. Wow, <laughs> filled with who, however, whoever they want, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is kind of wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the weirdest fucking series, Jeff. It feels Jeff King, the guy writing it, is a TV writer. And I've re- heard interviews and read interviews with him where he's pretty much like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in comics and I love him. And you can tell that he grew up on them because it feels like nothing as much as like a crossover series from the 80s. Mm. 
Like, it really does. You half expect there to be a panel halfway through the comic where everyone lines up. And they're like, well, Green Lantern, what do you think? I don't know, Batman. Like, it's, it feels like that. And clearly, this guy fucking grew up in the Warlord. Yeah, must because, be. Like, Warlord, that's a surprise influence right there. Like, ha- halfway through the series, they're like, oh, there's all these cities. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What if we go underground? And here's the underground land of Scartis. <laughs> And this is where all the power is. By the way, we've got all the like time travelers from DC history ever, and we're using them to power a trap for Brainiac. We've got Brainiac; he's taken care of. You can all just hang out in your cities now, right? Wow, which is just what? <laughs> I mean, absolutely nuts. Um, right. And the crossovers this week—the one well, not crossovers—the the, the spin-off series. Mm-hmm. So we're at the first week of these final issues. They're all two-issue series. That's right. Right. I am stunned by how many of them seem to exist to give happy endings to things. Mm. Uh, Superman and Lois get their baby mm-hmm. and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ryan Choi, Atom, turns out not to have been killed after all. And he comes back and he's fine. You know, Batman and Robin sort out all their problems. They're fine. The question, you know, deals with Two-Face. It's fine. Nightwing and Oracle get married. They're fine. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing that it feels like it's like, oh, yeah, we're tying off loose ends. But really, the loose ends are, we just want to tell you that all these guys are okay. Well, I, I, it's interesting because you, God knows if there's one thing you cannot really trust <laughs> is marketing from either of the big two these days but i do remember at one point there there was a uh right before convergence was starting to get on the road like it was didio or somebody was talking about this as a big love letter you know it would seem really unlikely but it but it it really is Mm -hmm. The, the, the crossovers are or at least in this first week we'll see what happens for the other three weeks but they really do seem to have been constructed as last hurrahs for these characters that end in happy endings, which I did not see coming. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I, like, I, 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 as a last hurrahs, sure. I did not see them going, like, almost going out of their way to g- give everyone a happy ending. And I'm, given how some of the other weeks have gone, like, I refuse to believe that all of the books are going to end up with happy endings. Right. But... But it's kind of surprising that they're like, yeah, you know, all the, all the pre-Flashpoint things, they deserve happy endings. Um, but again, if the Convergence series does stick around with the, and then there's this, you know, new planet made up of, you know, continuity orphans, then again, it's this weirdly additive thing. Right, right. So it's, it is appealing to you in, in that regard. It's appealing to you in that regard. And also, uh, did you read the, because I know neither of us got to a store on free comic book day. Did, did you see the divergences on Comixology? Oh, no, I didn't. Is it free? Yeah, it's free. Huh, poop. Huh? Actually, DC has put a lot of stuff out because they've also put up all the previews for the new June books mm-hmm. uh, from this week on Comixology for free as well. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, and they're doing that all through the month. So what it is is in every issue of the Convergence like spinoff books, mm-hmm. there's a nine-page preview of one of the series that's going to be starting or relaunching in June. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all available. All those previews are available on Comicsology huh. as its divergence. So you know they're going out of the way to be like, guys, check you know check these things out. 
That's great. Uh, I'll have to hunt them up because they didn't really seem to pop out very easily, at least on a super casual browse. But uh... but yeah, but uh, again, there, there's something about reading the reading the previews and reading uh, the diversions one shot and realizing that DC's doing essentially a line wide, not a reboot, but a relaunch mm-hmm. um, without a big event. <laughs> Because convergence really is a villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, it really is like it, the only main continuity it touches mm-hmm. is Earth Two. That's it, and then you kind of have to give them what they've done to Earth Two. Like, <laughs> really, did kind of have to be like, hmm, we <laughs> might need to rethink this uh, because Earth Two, and as much as I liked Earth Two under James Robinson, uh, as soon as it became oh, by the way, I'm turning this planet into apocalypse. You you can't just keep going. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to bring that to a conclusion somehow or another. Right. Right. And so it looks very, very much like the new Earth 2 series is going to be on this Convergence Earth. Hmm. To me. That would be really interesting if... They, well, they are the 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 Justice Society who aren't called the Justice Society because... Why would they be? But um, those right. characters are the main characters of the conversion series. I see. So, you know, and I think that I, I could be wrong, but I think the plan is that when uh, I think it's called Earth 2 Society launches, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be those characters on on a Earth. And given that, you know, we're five weeks into an eight week series um, and we've got to the point where we're like, no, this planet is completely stable as it is. It would not be surprising if they're like, "Oh, this is the, this is the Earth," mm-hmm. right? Right. We'll see. Well, which also sort of begs the question: um, How much of this? I mean, I, I, and I suppose this doesn't really matter. We talked about it a little bit last week, but it, it, I, you know, part of me is like, "You're sort of saying, I forget, it's Tim King or Jeff King? I can never keep track." Tom King. Tom, thank you so much. Is the heroes guy who's doing the thing? Oh, sorry. Oh, Jeff King. I thought you were talking about the uh, the Grayson guy. Grayson. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's no, no. Jeff no. King. He's not heroes, or maybe he has heroes. He's he's a uh, white collar. Is the show that I know him from? Oh, I think he. I think he was did the he heroes, heroes dude. Well? I think he was the I, heroes dude. Are you thinking? But... No, are you thinking of Tim Kring? Who does I, heroes? You know, I am thinking of Tim Kring. Oh, comedy. Okay, so it's not the same guy. Yeah, so I'm looking up Jeff King right now. He's done, wow, he's on White Collar, Continuum, if anyone remembers that sci-fi series. The Black Donnellys, Relic Hunter, Total Recall 2070. Hmm. Uh, Jew South, everyone loved Jew South. Everybody did love Jew South, yeah, that's right. Uh, he did an episode of Mutant X, Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's got that nerd cred, apparently. He's got that nerd cred. And if you see the f- photograph of him on... Uh, IMDb. Sure, I completely believe that he grew up reading comics. <laughs> that, that's, Graham McMillan, shame on you. Shame <laughs> on you. My goodness. I mean, really, you didn't mention Dino Sapien, did you? Because that's... I know, are you there now? Yes! <laughs> I didn't mention Dino Sapien, I'm sorry. Oh my god, you're sort of like, yeah, it looks like he reads comics. I'm like, he he's an executive producer of Dino Sapien. It doesn't matter what he looks <laughs> All like. All I'm saying is, he looks like me if I had more hair in a goatee, Jeff. You know, he did look remarkably familiar in his way, but... 
for some reason, I'm like really familiar, but not quite like you. I don't think, Ram. No, no, no. Who, who does he look like then, Jeff? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. It's kind of, hmm, the goatee is throwing me off. Uh, I have to come back to it. I have to come back to it. Because every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. He looks like that guy. But, of course, um, then the longer I look at him, it, it does have that kind of generic comic book. It's like, yeah, he must That's be a generic comic book guy. His 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 ability to look at all, you know... It's, he looks. He looks like anyone you'd see in the comic book store. Yeah, That's absolutely. what I'm saying. Completely and totally of a type. So yeah, that. That's is, what I'm saying. I see. I would highly recommend you pick up Divergence, and I highly recommend that you pick up the the previews. Not because I'm like they're all amazing, but because they're all free. Yeah. No. Done and done, no. man. I, it's... Um. The the Batman one in Divergence is actually of all three of them, the Batman one is probably the best. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed the Superman one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only because it's it's not that I would say it feels very Jin Yang, mm-hmm. but there's a couple of lines where you're like, oh, that that is very Jin Yang. Really, that's great. Uh, yeah. That uh, my one of my favorite, and this might just be me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is trying to come up with a name for Superman is in disguise because mm-hmm. uh, because of what is going to happen in the next issue of Superman. Lois Lane is going to out him as Clark mm-hmm. Kent. That's right. And so he has to go undercover. And so he's trying to be undercover, and this guy recognizes him. And Jimmy Olsen's with him, and he's like, no, he's not Clark Kent. He's Horace. <laughs> for some reason, the choice of Horace I find ridiculously amusing. <laughs> but so the fact that this man said, like, why the fuck did you pick Horace? I don't think <laughs> Horace. <laughs> really appeals to me. I, I really, really enjoyed that. That's great. Um, but the, the previews for the next books, mm-hmm. uh, the, the two in particular that stood out for me are the Omega Men one, mm-hmm. which is which is Tom King mm-hmm. uh, doing what looks to be surprisingly political science fiction. Hmm. Uh, the Omega Men seemed to be being placed as uh, terrorists, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the preview is is a video where they have captured. Uh, Kyle Rayner, the, the Green Lantern guy, mm-hmm. and they're about to kill him, hmm. and it's them making a statement about why they have to do it. Hmm. So I mean, it's surprisingly dark. Um, and the other one is the Prez preview. Yeah, which I'm kind of excited to read. It's admit. nothing like what I expected. I won't hmm. say anything more than that, but it's nothing like what I expected. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I should say that right away. Um, and I think I really liked it. But it is so tonally different from what I expected that I'm like, I don't know what this book is going to be, and I kind of love that. And what did you expect? Do I expected you know? something light. I expected something light and, and funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's there's comedy in there, mm-hmm. but I it's it's not the sitcom that I was expecting. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I would have hoped that they would have done something because that original series is just so goddamn strange, you know. So I, I feel like something that would have been just a flat-out situation comedy take would have been so easy, but in a way something that really misses the tone to it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, although the few of the comics that I actually can talk about this week are all strange Tonal nightmares, basically. So I don't oh, really well, know. I, is, is one of those going to be Secret Wars, Jeff? 
It is not, Graham. It is Did not. Did you not read it? No. No, I didn't. I didn't. Je- Jeff and I, listeners, I should explain to you, uh, had an email exchange yesterday where I said on Twitter that I read it. Yes. And Jeff basically emailed him and was like, did you buy it? Do you have a digital code so I can read it? Because I don't want to pay $5 for it. And my response was, don't pay $5 for it. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, and unfortunately, it, it really was as much a case of I, I haven't gotten into the store this week. It's been it's been a very very odd change of pace week for me. Um, so I didn't I didn't get a chance to get in there. So a little bit of what I've been reading are things that God, I've got a weird stockpile of stuff. There's a number of things that I I really I could just take the month off from going to the comic book store and catch up. Really, pretty much just on stuff that I have um, purchased uh, uh, either from the comic book store over the last few months and, and need to catch up on, or the weirdo stuff that they have in the convergence sales. So, like, I. They've, they've had some nuts. You actually emailed me when they were in, you were like, Steve Englehart's Green Lantern's for sale. Mm-hmm. And here's the sad thing I have all of those issues already. <laughs> I raced over so excited that I was like, I've got all of these. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I, I, well, I, so among the, among the gems that I picked up, cause I really was, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And maybe you can tell me, Graham, since you've read the spinoff books, why the fuck were they selling three issues of Hex? The. Oh, cause jo- Jonah Hex is, is in. He's he's a, a quote unquote villain. He's he's the, the nemesis of shit. I want to say the pre-crisis world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he shows up as a, as a bad guy. Uh, uh, as a but is it him in his bizarre skin tight leather it, road yeah, warrior it's, it's type in the thing? Future, uh-huh. Like it's yeah yeah. Okay, all right. It's whatever it was. Was it twenty fourth century? America or something like that, post-apocalyptic something. It might even be 21st century. It might have been of that era where they were like, yes. yeah. Right, right. I should yeah. be able to – I got to admit, I just read those and the last thing I was looking at was the date. But let me see here if they – because I'm sure they t- – wow. Let me t- And let me tell you, I was reading them and I'm just like – because it, cause it's, it's – <laughs> I was thinking about this. I'm like, if ever there's a guy that you do not want to call a nut, it's Michael Fleischer. But – you know, th- this stuff is wacky as hell. He is the writer and editor of Hex, uh, the three issues um, that I picked up via the sale. And, you know, I, I read the first two <laughs> issues of Hex back when it came out, back in the mid-80s. Oh, right. I was going to look at the dates. There's one point where I really – it's a shame that Mark Texiera, I swear, is like – 14 and still learning how to draw because I I think... But he was super young at the time, wasn't he? I, I'm sure he... No, I'm sure he was. I'm sure Texiera was super, super young. It just looks it. Just all this stuff is like, he's to see him here. Wow, it's, it's the 21st century. It's the year 2050. 2050. Yeah, 2050. God damn. Right? So, there's, there's a great action scene where... Jonah is it Jonah Hex? Jonah Hex uses um, some dynamite and a rope because there's these enormous quote unquote terminators, these sort of enormous mega robots that have been equipped with uh, um, weapons finally because in in the future, I'm sure you remember all this 
clearly, Graham. But in the I, future, well, it, it, yeah, I always read Hex. Always, of course, definitely, you did. Definitely that, read it. Definitely. Absolutely. If there was, if there was a book that screams Graham McMillan, it is this book. I mean, it, I, I, the I rest of the sentence is "Get away from this thing now." Yeah, but yeah, I remember exactly. seeing all the adverts for it, all the house ads, yeah. and being like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, I mean, and it and it is. It's really well. So the first couple of pages where it's like Hex gets picked up by these, you know, uh, dudes who are like, you know, your sidekick Stiletta has been violently killed by this, you know, sick. Actually, it sort of opens up in like mid sort of gunfight where he's like, you know, these like robo drones are zooming around in the sky. And that's the great thing about Fleischer. He just really puts robo in front of any other noun. And that's it's kind, of, it's kind of great. Though, isn't it? It's really, it is. I mean, this is the worst part. I'm like, this stuff is such shit. I am adoring it. And that's where the tonal inconsistency comes on. Like it really is like, I'm like, ah, oh, thank God. Like this weird, like, Oh, I'm so glad they didn't try to make this good. I mean, it is so cheesy. The, so the first issue is called night of the bat and it's Jonah hex, you know, Basically, oh my god! So it's not on. it's not the first issue. So is it the 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 issue with John Hex and Batman? Yes, yeah. Night oh, of the shit. Batman. It's issues eleven, twelve, and thirteen of Hex. So pity the poor fucker who like just picked these up, being like, oh, I like Convergence, you know, because it is. <laughs> my God, no! I am saying that fucker is lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Probably on. is. Yeah, that's right. That's true. He doesn't have to read the previous ten issues. What? No, he gets. To... Oh, you don't. You don't understand. I don't get. I don't get it, Graham. Tell me. Tell Come me. on. Would it not be great? Maybe you disagree, having read the issues. But in my having not read the issues, yes. optimism. I'm like, wouldn't it be great to just not have any idea what you're getting into and be like, what the fuck? I thought Jonah Hex was like in the Wild West. It's 2050 and there's like future Batman? That sounds great to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, part of me is sort of, you know, having, like I said, I read the first issue, so I, two, three issues, so I'm not coming into it cold. And I kind of, because I jumped off after issue two or three, you know, you kind of have that weird, like, yeah, I bet that didn't turn out well, but I wonder how it turns out. Like, and if you, you know, if you get haunted by that enough, you eventually end up sort of scouring like quarter bins being like, hmm, you know, but, but this is the next best thing, which is picking up three of these issues, you know, for 99 cents a piece and going, holy shit, of course, Michael Fleischer came up with the Batman of the 21st century. And of course, it's like, you know, the greatest thing ever. It's it's really interesting because again, it's that weird thing where Fleischer, Fleischer's such a, um, I don't know, manticore. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's <laughs> really. That's not where I thought you're going with that. But <laughs> con- continue, because because I mean he's he's a big superhero nerd. So of course it's like issue eleven, and he's going to bring in Batman. But he doesn't bring in Batman in any sort of like, um, you know, oh, it's Bruce Wayne's reasonable way. <laughs> son. Yeah, exactly. It's to- it's totally like the 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 Batman of the the twenty first century was a world class gymnast and doctoral candidate in criminology at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice here in New York. I idolized the original Batman of Gotham City and was researching a thesis on his spectacularly brilliant career. His true identity had never been revealed to the world, but I had deduced it. 
Beneath abandoned Wayne Manor in the once-proud suburbs of Gotham City, I had actually discovered the original Batcave. I was down in the Hall of Trophies, taking notes and holograms, when the first hail of intercontinental ballistic missiles shattered the Northeast. If I hadn't been sheltered so far below ground, I might have easily been among the 150 million who died. When I finally emerged, it was to a scene of soul-numbing horror and devastation. Law and order were non-existent. Plunder gangs roved everywhere, looping, looting, raping, venting their mindless rage amid the ruins of a world that had gone insane. And, miraculously, both my parents had survived the cataclysm. My mother, Miriam Cohen, was a rabbi who, among her other humanitarian concerns, had campaigned fruitlessly but tirelessly for handgun control. My father, Kenneth Cohen, had served as a top-level disarmament negotiator under three administrations. From them, I had inherited a compassion for victims of violence and a fervent desire for world peace. But compassion was in short supply after the Holocaust, while the desire to find scapegoats seemed to have no end. One organization of crazed fanatics, the National Reconstruction Alliance, or NRA, focused their hatred on two groups, advocates of armed control and Jews. My parents, God oh help them, were both. Yeah, so... Look, there's so much that is simultaneously terrible and wonderful about that. Yes. But here's my first question. What is the, what is the circumstance that he's saying this? Because that was a long ass speech. Please tell me this is during like a fight. Oh yeah, that would be great. No, 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 no. This is very much this is old school eighty comics. This is like Batman has like beat up some bad guys, flown back into. Oh, his, is it like, like a close up of his head? And all these are like narrative captions. Uh, yes. Well, it starts off that way, and then I, I actually read you, and that shows you just what a spiffy storyteller Michael Fleischer is. That was two full pages of a. Oh, I was going to ask. That was going to be my next question. Like, how yeah. long did that take? Yeah, was... and, and so and, and the shots of like. You know, burning swastikas and the big letters hate and the picture of the Rabbi Cohen and her husband, who, of course, has the American flag superimposed on his face or, I don't know, maybe had an amazing tattoo. Uh, it's just it's him in the bat cave when the giant penny falls over when the when you know nuclear war breaks out i mean it really is it's like he's like okay i'm a big enough nerd that you need batman but of course batman clearly has to be you know someone else like not even related to the waynes and not even tutored by the waynes it's just merely in that whole like you but know what i mean it's such a it's, weird golden yeah, so funny because, thing you know today Mm -hmm. It would be, my name is Wayne Wayne. <laughs> I, was, I was adopted by the Waynes after my own family was killed in a freak accident that was just like Bruce Wayne's, and then he trained me to become Batman Squared. Okay, you know, I, like, I, I, I hate to jump in there, I hate to interrupt, but I really feel that you should consider Dwayne Wayne over Wayne Wayne. Oh, no, you're totally right. Dwayne Wayne, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, they totally double down. Yes. No, the, exactly. The end Completely. of Future's End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the was, end of Future's End. Well, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, was, you know, we've got Batman Beyond, but he's not Batman enough. So what if we kill him and then have him replaced by the former Robin? Yes, exactly. Now he's... Like, exactly. exactly. Now and he's, that's it. Now he's exactly Batman enough. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that and that's what I mean. Like Batman Beyond itself, by having Bruce Wayne mentor him, 
was like, okay, that's a step up, but yeah, how can we do it? And in another 15, 20 years, it's eventually going to be, you know, the young clone of Bruce Wayne himself, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, which is, which is Scott Snyder even set that up. <laughs> that, Matt, does he? Yeah, he had that story in Detective 27, which is pretty much in the future. It's just going to be a lot of clones of Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's Again, just what they do. <laughs> that exactly. So I have to say, also, I wanted to check and make sure that they weren't bringing back the Dogs of War in Convergence. Because uh, who are the Dogs of War? In the, uh, sure, who are the Dogs of War? Dogs of War come in in issue thirteen. After in issue twelve, Hex and Batman team up to stop the giant Robo Terminators from destroying New York City. Um, Batman looks like he's been killed. Uh, Hex is taken uh, hostage by uh, scuba diving cannibals. Um, and then in the B uh, story, back on the West Coast, um, a, a, a veritable ragtag wagon train of, of cars carrying, you know, valuable supplies are attacked by 9 million awful, ugly bikers. And then those bikers are set upon by the war dogs, which, and this is pretty genius, basically soldiers from every one soldier from most of the major periods of history slash whatever the hell Michael Fleischer happened to remember after drinking turpentine. So it's like, a Roman gladiator, a Japanese ninja, um, of course, like an enormous flying manta ray with like rays shooting out of his eyes. A Viking and a black dude who fought in Vietnam show up to kick, um, you know, motorcycle gang ass, which again, like, I, I, see, as that. you're describing, you're, you're, I can hear you go. Actually, that's not that bad. I have a practical question. Mm -hmm. It's the year 2050, right? Uh, sure. How old is the man who fought in Vietnam? Oh, but see, this is it. They're all they're all time swept. This is that classic. Of course they are. Of course uh, they've uh, all uh, been oh. seized from their various periods in time. And in what fact, was, what was the explanation for that? Uh, well, see, this is this is the great thing about them selling only three issues. Is <laughs> you meet the war dogs. They pretty much after they beat the motorcycle gang, they they round them up and put them on their spaceship fly them into space to another planet where they're going to be put to work doing good work, a.k.a. slavery. And then at the end of it, you kind of see a guy who sort of looks like he might be, you know, the hobo version of a Green Lantern Guardian, except he's he's not really blue, but he's kind of like unkempt and bald and wearing a bathrobe, being like, you know... I have set all this in motion, and I assume you're going to find out that he plucked all these dudes, his war dogs, uh, out of various time to help bring well, everlasting I, peace by doing Well, I bidding. wonder whether, he, like, it's the same thing that brought Jonah Hex to the future. Because, I, I, like I said, I, I never read the series. How did he get to the future? You know, I read the first issue, and it's not exactly that clear, as I recall. I, or maybe it was? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> this is something that I read back in like 1985. Exactly. So, Jeff, 
Uh, come on. I'm like sexy they're, libertarians, they're Graham. Sexy libertarians reached out from the beyond the time space to, to I did bring... love the discovery that sexy libertarians was a thing. I know, I know. Can Thank we talk you, about Paul how Spence. Absolutely horrifying that was. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to reply to his comment, but people who check you know, if you don't check out our show notes at waywhatpodcast.com, one of the great things about it is you get other people besides us talking uh in, in the comments. And Paul Spence brings it to our attention that there is indeed a Facebook group of sexy libertarians, and I have to admit, I am too terrified to click on that link. I haven't done did it yet. You, did you say that Reinhold Borsten was the guy behind the, the War Dogs? No, I didn't. I, I don't okay. think I said that with my okay. lips. Maybe <laughs> Reinhold, Borsten, Reinhold Borsten is the man responsible for bringing Jonah Hex to the 21st century. Oh, okay. Does, does he look like a guy with a big head and pointy ears in a bathrobe, like a blue and gold bathrobe? Uh, he looks like a bald dude with perfectly normal ears, according to the internet. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll 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 have to check it out. It would certainly make sense. Look into this, and, and uh, certainly no, no. The road, the road reapers. Yeah, this looks mm-hmm. like the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonah escaped and met a motorcycle gang called the Road Reapers. Exactly. They immediately took him in after he rescued their warrior Stiletta, and he obtained a zone suit to protect himself from radiation by killing their cowardly leader Falcon in self-defense. Yeah, His next companions are a group of soldiers from the Vietnam War. Although they were betrayed by robotic duplicates of Stiletta, and none survived except for a captain, Stanley Harris. Briefly, he becomes a shotgun man for a drug dealer named Barnaby Blossom. When he discovers that Barnaby is getting kids hooked, he kills the man. Whoever wrote this Wikipedia entry, by the way, good job. He kills the man. The real Stiletta tracks him down, and they're stranded in the desert together without water after a roadside ambush. You can tell that he's also just like literally this happened, and then this happened. Oh, and completely! Then this That's how Ma- Michael Fleischer rolls plot-wise. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, I, oh, you I mean the Wikipedia, Wikipedia writer, dude? <laughs> you can only bring so much to the material. You know what I mean? Like he's no Drew Goddard. Oh, come on! We've clearly got to. Oh, Jeff, we're gonna have to hand down back issues to this. Yeah, no, I hate to admit it, but I think you're right. Barnstein is revealed to have survived the explosion. Briefly, Joan Hex meets the legion of superheroes while they are traveling in their time bubble. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, come on! You know, I do remember the last page of the last issue, which was pretty awesome. The last issue ever? Uh, Of Hex. The series? Yes. So you did keep reading it? No, no, I don't. I, I, no. That sounds that no. I don't know how I saw the last page. I assume that, you know, back in the day when the comic book stores, when there was only like 40 titles on the market, you'd go to the comic book store and you would get the ones you were buying and then you'd have time to sort of flip through everyone and figure out if you were going to, you know. Anyway, so I think the last issue of Hex. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I've just found the cover for the issue uh, that uh, of Hex that has Legion of Superheroes in it. And it actually says on the cover in a blurb. Plus, a surprise appearance by the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... Oh, that's great. That's Legion. Uh, sorry, that's Hex number 10. Uh, oh, okay. So that's literally the issue before he meets Batman. So it's and, probably Oh, my God. I've read, I've read the Legion issue, which crosses over with it. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I've totally read that issue. <laughs> I've totally read it. <laughs> that's so great. Oh, man. That makes me happy on so many levels, Jeff. <laughs> I bet. A certain je ne sais, wow, I sure avoided a car accident, you know. It's... Well, a certain je ne sais, of course I did. Of course you did. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Uh, no, there's there's something where he, um, 
Yeah, there's so many things that 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 Fleischer puts on the cover of like Hex magazine uh, of the comic book where you're just like, why would you put that on there? Like it's literally something like Stiletta fights to the death on the issue on on the front of um the cover to issue 12 and it's like she's dead in issue 11 like maybe you wanted to save that for a surprise for the inside or something but i don't know i think he was on full on did they say how many issues hex runs because of course now i am like maybe i will rebuy these exactly. old issues i see hex 1980 i think it was 1985 18, like... 1985 uh-huh let's see hex 18 issues okay right so yes i don't want at to... some point keith giffen takes over as artist Oh, that would not issue surprise 15? me. Issue 50, he draws issue 15, issue 16, issue 17, issue 18. Maybe that's why I picked them up. I mean, you know, looked at them and or me, now I'm thinking like, what if one of my friends bought them and I read them and the only thing that sticks is that last page to the la- of the last issue? So, hmm. uh, To be fair, if you saw it in the store, like you might have bought it because it not only does it have a very Keith Giffen in the 1980s cover. Mm-hmm. It also says in big letters, the last hex story. Yes. And then underneath in bigger letters, destined to be a classic. See, and I'm sure at that point I was like, whoa, 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 a classic? Yeah, destined <laughs> to be a classic. I don't I think should... I've seen any comic book ever make that claim. I have to I pick this up I should read this shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it is kind of great. Because you, you do know that, that Fleischer tells a story uh, like in an annual or something like that. Um, before before Hex ends up in the future, where Hex ends up basically s- killed, and then he ends up being s- taxidermied and put behind glass in a traveling West Side show. Of course, he does. Right, exactly. Right. So that was like the finale to the fate of Jonah Hex. You know, back in the mid seventies in some annual or something, and people were like, "Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you, Michael Fleischer?" And then Hex, the comic, actually, it was literally Harlan Ellison said that, and Gary Groth laughed, and then they both got sued. So let's put this in some historical context that I myself am not making, just for anyone listening who may or may not be Michael Fleischer or Michael Fleischer's legal representation. Uh but so the last page you now made me rethink my uh, what the, my Michael Fleischer story that I was going to tell you after this. Oh, really? <laughs> Just couch it in p- appropriate terms. Like, oh, I, you know it. I think. Do I? Well, okay. Let's okay, before anyway, we get to yours. that stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's t- it's times like this. I'm like, it's a shame we couldn't have been like the world's strangest '70s game show. Like, <laughs> welcome back to you know what I'm talking about, Jeff. The the game show where where Jeff Lester tries no, to guess. No, it's, it's, it's the 2018 story. Oh, the 2018 stuff. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So and anyway, continue your story. The last page of Hex is he's in the future as you know this sort of road warrior or Sats road warrior type, uh, and he comes across the ruins of the traveling sideshow and find and finds his own body stuffed under glass. And he's basically like, well, I guess I get back home. <laughs> exactly. On the plus side. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, ah, he sort of ties it up, but I, but he doesn't necessarily. So, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of ties it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the for those who don't know, Michael Fleischer eventually ended up working for 2018 in the mid 90s. Oh my god. Um, and wrote Rogue Trooper. 
and uh, and a reboot of Harlem Heroes and a series called oh shit I think it's called Junker it might be called Trash uh, I can't it's it's about an it's about an intergalactic bin man basically oh wow um, and the latter is most famous for a scene where as originally written before rewritten by the editors um, in a spaceship chase the character opens oh, yes. up a window so he can shoot a gun out of it yeah yeah yeah. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, yeah, Michael Fleischer's uh, 2000 work apparently had to be heavily rewritten by almost everyone who was available. Yeah, because and he banked so much of it, too. Yeah, yeah, he, he apparently wrote multiple scripts a week, even though no one had asked for them, so he could voucher for them. Yeah. Um, but apparently they were so unpublishable in their original state. That they were rewritten by multiple people, and they still ended up being horrible, horrible, genuinely terrible. Yeah, I mean, he really is talked about by former two thousand, by old two thousand AD fans as it, as it like some sort of biblical plague. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a poor poor period. Yeah, it is called Junker. This series is called Junker. Well, uh, and it was drawn by John Ridgway of all people. Oh, really? And see, the thing is, is on the one hand, that sounds like a perfectly 2008-ish premise. And honestly... Well, you can totally see how it could green lights, because it's like, yeah. it's an intergalactic bin man, and they'd be like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Give us some of that. And and frankly, there's a lot of those these three issues of Hex, apart from the fact that it's Jonah Hex and it's Batman, uh, it they really remind me of the some of the clunkers that I read in the back of magazine. In fact, what was the one? The Jesus, I can't look it up now. The the guy with the was he the private detective with the robot arm? Remember the one that's like written by the guy who was a bit of a cult classic guy because he did a <laughs> film or something damn it you're gonna make me look this i up, have you? no idea what you're talking you about you know because we talked i really about don't guy with a robot arm i mean that does describe half of 2008 <laughs> like you've got to give me more to go on <laughs> no graham that's it no i he was like a he was like a private eye and it was very much there were two oh, stories shit. it was um uh below zero and beyond zero and night zero and he's a, he's a cab driver. Yes, that's it. See, I knew you would know it because when I talked about him the first time, you remembered them. Yes, I, and it's drawn by Kev Hopgood. Yeah, and, and yeah. honestly, uh, Hex is about at that level. Like, it really was like, oh, like two, 2000 AD and Fleischer should have been a, a, a marriage match. made in, yeah, in crap heaven. Yeah, and I, I definitely remember that when it was announced mm-hmm. that people were super excited. Wow, yeah. I can't imagine. Then, you know, they very quickly realize, like, oh. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure this stuff has been printed because at some point almost everything in 2008 has been reprinted. Oh, I, I, um, I want to say that I think the Harlem Heroes might have recently gotten a, a magazine. It, it, was, it was in the magazine, yeah. yeah and just, Jeff, you should read it because, man, and it's such a shame because it's uh, it's an interesting art team. It's, you know, Kev Walker, who's done stuff for Marvel recently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's Kev Walker inking Steve Dillon. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's very so, interesting. Like, it's a really interesting art team. Huh. Um, but the stories are terrible. Yeah. I mean, just terrible. Well, longtime listeners of the podcast may know that I, I – uh, 
they had all the big GIT discs of the major heroes, but for some reason, the whoever wrote down Thor on the invoice when listing the titles that they were going to put out did such a bad job of it that they did one of Ghost Rider. So you can get the entire Ghost Rider <laughs> on DVD. Well, I, I remember you reading the entire Ghost exactly. Rider for quite a long time. Yeah, and, and you stuck with it. I did. I read something like, because Michael Fleischer, he attached himself like a remora or something to, to the Ghost Rider title and was there for like 40 issues. It was insane, especially because he was like, most of them, it, it, it wasn't, he, he had that very 1930s, 1940-ish kind of idea of like continuity. What continuity? I mean, it literally could have been something like, um, like a Bill Everett Submariner because he was just a hobo. Johnny, you know, Johnny Blaze was a hobo who went from like town to town and it was almost like the whole TV show. He'd like a waitress would like make a cute face at him. And then his, you know, her abusive husband would be like, I'm going to teach that punk a lesson. And he and his motorcycle gang would like, you know, basically like whip him with like whips and, you know, and he would like plunge into the Rio Grande and then come out on like a fiery motorcycle and just burn them, you know what I mean? Like it was just really like, it's well, kind Fleischer, of a Flasher does Wrath of the Spectre. Exactly. Like the Spectre series that everyone's like, yes. Yeah. Well, and because it is, it is, it is, I mean, because in Ghost Rider, he, he has a lot of, um, he plays up the sort of Marvel bathos concept of Johnny Blaze being like, I must keep the demon within me. And then, you know, the demon comes out and just again, just fucks up everyone to the point where people are outright horrified. And the specter doubled down, doubles down on that so well, in part because no offense to all involves, but you have Don Perlin drawing Ghost Rider and you have Jim fucking Apero drawing the wrath of the specter. So it looks beautiful, even as it is terrifyingly amoral. I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, or whatever. I mean, you get the specter turning people into wood it, statues it, and then yeah, buzz sawing them. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you have sucked the light out of this woman. I will turn you into a wax candle. Yes, right. Exactly. Or or you know? the one that, again, uh, Ellison and, and Groth had a good chortle over um, that, that's very disturbing is like Jim Corgan's girlfriend is like possessed by – oh, it seems like she's possessed by some sort of hypnotist or whatever. But what it is is she's been replaced with like uh, – um, this this dude has created animated wax mannequins that are taking the place of people and stuff. And so Corgan like walks in is like, Hey Nancy, how's it going? And she like, um, sticks like a knife in his chest or something. And because he's the specter, he won't, he doesn't die. And he brings all the cutlery to life in the kitchen or something, hacks her to bits and then finds, and then he's like, Oh, huh. She's a wax. This wasn't really her. And you're just like, Ooh, that's, I mean, this is 1970s DC. You're not really expecting that level of like, okay, you, you know, you attack me. I will gleefully, you know, like run you through a, a, a wood chipper, my beloved girlfriend. Oh wait, it was just a wax person. Maybe I should go recognize, you know, rescue my girlfriend. It was just like, don't wherever she is, she's better <laughs> off. She's she's fine. Just she's leave. fine. Just, Seriously, just it's it's good. Just just you know, 
just not. Yeah, exactly. Jim take Corrigan, it. you're too good for the dating scene. Let's just <laughs> let's just take you off. Let's just you don't need to hang out with anyone. You're too good for the world, Jim Corrigan. <laughs> you really are. You really are. Why don't you just go hang out in a lead lined casket at the bottom of the sea for <laughs> He's a specter, he'd be fine. Yeah, no, he'd come, I know. You come back after afterwards and be like, "Yeah, that was a nice couple of no, years." No, that was. I gotta admit, you know, but at least that the number of innocent people accidentally being hacked apart is like, oh, my bad. They weren't innocent though. The Spectre, especially that time, oh, was yes. yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, he was DC's supernatural Punisher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone has sinned. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh my god! Do like, you think that was what they were thinking? The crew who like made the Punisher into like the supernatural agent? No, of the I angels? no, I, I think what they were thinking was, oh shit, what can we do with the Punisher? <laughs> no, that much was clear, Graham. As I recall, the issue came with a vial of the creator's flop sweat. Like, it yeah, was a... no, what you remember issue two was called "Oh crap." <laughs> It was a bold choice, but I think we all really got in the mindset of the creators because of that. <laughs> yes, I, I thought it was, I thought that was like the parody magazine that was one step beyond what the was like. Oh crap! But that was but no, that oh. was just their publishing line. Speaking of which, Spider Gwen hey, publishing. Speaking of which, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about Spider Gwen issues one through three, which I just read right after reading Hex eleven through thirteen. So I'm sure they're very similar. They're not dissimilar. I'll go that far. <laughs> no, really? No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> well, okay. I thought Spider Gwen was great. Also, I have to say because I I read this the other week and I haven't said anything publicly and keep on meaning to. Um, you remember Spider Gwen was like, "We're giving it an ongoing series. We're one hundred percent behind this." Yeah. There was a, a convention recently, maybe C two E two, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, where the writer Spider Gwen was there, and apparently someone was like. What's going to happen with Spider-Gwen with Secret Wars? And his response was, well, we'll see if there's any interest after this miniseries ends. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, but but you said it was what? No. Although if you believe Rich Johnson, then Spider-Gwen's going to be everywhere. Yes, right, right. He does make those noises. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. Uh, So Spider-Gwen, intriguingly enough, is... Uh, written by Jason Latour, who is the guy doing the art on Southern Bastards. Yes. Uh, and it's whose art is lovely. And whose writing on the Marvel books has not been lovely. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Let's, let's put it this way. Spider-Gwen to me is really fascinating because it is, it is, uh, friend of the podcast, Jert Kobeck every once in a while likes sends me emails, something along the lines of which, like, Spider-Gwen, what? Like, really, he just can't, you know, wrap his brain around it. But there is just sort of that weird, like, I kind of, back when comics, quote-unquote, worked, you know, there was that thing of, like, oh, here's a trend, let's hop on it. And the idea that there were enough people who responded to this idea that they, they, they greenlit it for a series, and also that it came from this place of fans of the Emma Stone Gwen Stacy, from what I can tell, who, you know, and, and cosplayers who really like the costume. So you get a you get this book that spins out of the Spider-Verse stuff, none of which I've I've actually read, and Spider Gwen is known as Spider Woman back on her 
planet, which is, you know, she's bitten by a spider. It's Peter Parker who ends up dying. Um, that, that causes her guilt complex that makes her want to, you know, um, do justice and, and, and feels overly responsible. Meanwhile, she has quit her position in as drummer in the band, the Mary Janes who have some sort of viral hit, And, uh, so it's an alternate, it's very much an alternate earth, you know, and there's things that are actually kind of fun about that. The, um, you know, in this earth, it, it opens with some people, uh, some graffiti artists spray tagging billboards. And then, then I think the vulture shows up to like, basically crack down on them. And then on top of that, a cop shows up and tries to stop them. And the cop is Ben Grimm. And so he's running around being like, Hey, I'll show you kids what it, you know, what it really means to come from Yancey street or whatever. And I have to admit it. I'm kind of perhaps probably because I've been, you know, I, I think you may remember, I read the um, Batman, a celebration of 75 years and then Joker celebration of 75 years. And now I'm on Lois Lane, a celebration of 75 years. Uh, and the imagine, I just finished up one of the imaginary earth stories and I'm like, I just have such a weird affectionate spot for alternate earth stories. It's, it's really, it's probably too whimsical for the material. Like the Robbie Rodriguez's art really reminds me of the stuff that was being done, um, on ghostwriter, uh, recently, very, very stylized art and, and mm -hmm. in a way, in a good way. I, I, well, see, not nearly to the level that Ghostwriter is, because Ghostwriter, uh, especially with the artist who drew for the first six issues, was astonishing. Um, this is a little bit, in some ways, it sort of reminds me of Jason Latour's art on Southern Bastards, but as like a sort of fluorescent colored superhero comic book. You know, but like that sounds, that sounds good to me. They're you know, sort of guys with like big chins and little beady eyes and gritting their teeth and you know, little bits of you know, comic perspiration popping up. Spider Gwen, after hitting her head from a huge fall, has uh, Spider Ham sort of pop up and talk to her as uh, sort of an ongoing hallucination slash Jiminy Cricket conscious style thing. Honestly, it's just because everyone seemed to appreciate the the matching of the two of them, I guess. Um, and Spider Pig looks like Spider Ham does not look like a Scott Shaw creation. He sort of looks like a pig, very uncomfortably jammed into a Spider Man outfit. Like it's it is he's very asymmetrical, and it's it's kind of wonderful. It's a weird book. I am totally fond of it, and yet at the same time, there was part of me that's like, okay, if Marvel is telling me that this is selling like hotcakes. I can I I sort I more or less can't believe it. You know what I mean? Cuz yeah. it really feels like it really feels like the the by the time you get through parsing out the Venn diagram of the people that this actually would work for, it it looks like a tiny fingernail that someone has, you know, split in half with a hatchet. It it is it's a very small slice of comics fandom. That being said, I apparently am part of that slice. It's a weird comic. I can't even say it's a good one, but I read those three issues. I'm like, boy, can't wait for issue four unless it, unless it goes just one degree too far, in which case it will be awful. So. A so rousing a, recommendation. A I, I know exactly. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm lost. But well, would you suggest I pay money for them? Ah, uh, 
don't know, Graham. I don't is, know. Is it a I should buy them now, or is it a I should wait six months and read them on Marvel Unlimited? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's right. I guess that is an option. If it is, is an option, definitely pile them up and maybe pile up uh, two or three and let me know what you think. Because I think part of me is it, it probably helps that I've read so few Marvel comics that people, you know, who have kept up to date are like, Jeff, this is like second. I can name like half a dozen Marvel noir titles that are better than this. You know, like I just have totally opted out of so much of kind of the alternate reality stuff. But like, yeah, it's a Spider-Man comic. It's, oh no, the first three. Okay. Well, so the problem is the first three issues are despite it's, um, Spider-Woman fighting the Vulture, sort of, and with a lot of subplots with her and her dad. But especially since her dad is alive and is kind of a tough cop, he's having to start... He suspects that Spider-Woman is, in fact, Gwen, and, and starts trying to run interference for her when the two new New York police detectives, Gene DeWolf and Frank Castle, show up. Uh, and of course, James Wolf and Frank Castle. See, at this point, it's already seeming gimmicky to me. See, well, that's it. I, it's, it's. I'm like, if everyone <laughs> in this world mm-hmm. is a familiar character in a different role, mm-hmm. like that. That's when I'm like, oh, of course. I'm just counting down until she goes to the dentist and it's Reed Richards. Yes, and that you know what I mean. Like that's. Yep. Uh, that's it. No, t- you're totally right. There's. I don't think there is. Uh, like you said, I'm like, hmm. I mean, considering. Considering the the girls in the band at the Mary Janes is like Mary Jane. I don't recognize the woman in the glasses. Christ help me! It's it's probably the chick who it's probably Marla uh, Tompkins. Who's the who's the woman who like married J. Jonah Jameson? It's Marla something. I say you're much more of a Spider Man fan than me, Jeff. Right, uh, but it's like it, so. It's like Mary Jane Watson and Glory Grant, and of course, Glory Grant is you know. Also a sassy teenager like the rest of them. So it's it's well, clearly yeah, but also like part of me is like, of course it's glory crown as well, because otherwise they're gonna have no black characters in the book. Well, they've also had uh Robbie Robertson's son pop up too. So so there's two. Take that. <laughs> Take that. Oh my god. So um So it's super gimmicky. I don't think you would like yeah. it in that the the fact that you're kinda going, it, it, uh you well, know. It, it just here's the thing. Super gimmicky works if you have affection for the original material. Yes. Which if you I, don't, yeah. then it only works if you don't realize it's super gimmicky. If you know enough to realize that it's gimmicky, but not enough to get the in-jokes, it just gets frustrating. And well, that's one yeah. of the reasons I think why things like conversions work for me, mm-hmm. but wouldn't work for almost anyone else. Right. Well, and I do feel there's kind of a weird thing here where on the one hand, part of me is like, I guess that is the thing that sort of worries me ultimately about Spider-Gwen. I in, I enjoyed reading the issues. Definitely people should check them out on Marvel Unlimited because I don't think it's for everyone. But interestingly enough, I think the thing that sort of worries me is the idea of it's a, hey, it's, you know, it's a Spider-Man title for women who are fans of you know, Emma Stone, Gwen Stacy. And what it reads like is kind of a very, it's a very seventies title for me. You know what I mean? It's really like, but that's, that's fine. Well, if that's like, because again, if the audience doesn't, 
like the audience, what the audience wants. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, just because it reads like a 70s book to you doesn't necessarily mean that that's problematic for anyone else. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and there is a lot of the, it's it's done with a lot of a much more goofy, playful style than this than the serious stuff of the seventies. But mm. it is kind of a weird thing. Like, part of me is like, you know, those it, it's it's like you know how the well, I don't even know if you read them because they weren't really up your alley. But those early issues of Warlock before Jim Starlin took over, where it's like he's yeah, on Counter Earth and and it's is Kill Kane. Uh, yes, Roy Thomas, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Roy Thomas, but then Gary Friedrich, I think, or Mike Friedrich. I can never keep yeah straight. God bless probably. Him. Yeah, Roy Thomas wouldn't have stayed around long because yeah, it's Roy Thomas. Yeah. Well, he right. He did the first issue to set things up, and then he had to pass it off to the to the next to the people waiting in the wings. So so it's very it's Counter Earth, and so it being Thomas, it's very it's very much the oh. You know, here's Victor Von Doom. He's the haunted good guy here. And, of course, Reed Richards ends up be- being the brute who's pretty much the only supervillain in the place apart from the yeah, man-beast. It's, and... it's Earth 3 again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's Superman, but he's a villain. It's Lois Lane, but she's a villain. It's yeah. Lex Luthor, but he's a good guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. In a way that Roy Thomas being the Uber fanboy is like, oh, this is great. I can bring this into, I can do a Marvel continuity version of this and somebody's going to dig it. You know, there's Spider Gwen's a little bit like that. And it's a shame because in a way, part of me kind of wishes, if nothing else, it was less of the, oh, hey, it's the Kingpin talking from prison and he's being represented by his loyal retainer uh, attorney Matt Murdock and more of the you know like hey we're going to have to you know we're in the battle of the bands and we have to beat Felicia Hardy and the Black Cats you know which is either something that happened before the three issues that I've read or look like it may eventually happen if the miniseries doesn't get cancelled but um well it's, it, let's go with Rich Johnson it, it won't be Right. Like, it'll be ending because of Secret Wars, and then it'll come back, and it'll be like, hey, look, it's Spider-Gwen, number one, again! Woo! Look at that. So, Graham, uh, we sort of, I feel in a way we buried the lead. Tell me more about Secret Wars, the book that you told me not to buy. Well, here's the thing, Jeff. Mm -hmm. You've read Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. Uh, all the stuff that was available to me on Marvel Unlimited, yes. So you know what Secret Wars is like. Yeah. Because it's another issue of Jonathan Aikman's Avengers. Right. Right. Which is a little bait and switchy in a way. Well, it, it isn't, isn't. I've actually, I've spent a bunch of time, I have to admit, going, is this a good, like, first issue for people who don't know about that stuff? And it gets really difficult because you're like... I'm getting like I'm getting tripped up by things, mm-hmm. but if I hadn't read any of this stuff before, would that trip me up? Mm-hmm. You know, like they they don't explain incursions at all, mm. but they call them incursions, right? And you clearly understand that these two planets are at war. Is that enough? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a reader myself, I genuinely got confused as to which Iron Man was which. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Um, so it's. You know, they, they don't. It's it's Ultimate Universe versus Marvel Universe. Okay, so so Secret Wars number one doesn't even open with them on Battle World. Yeah, no, no. So Secret Wars number one opens with uh, a three-page prologue with Doctor Doom 
meeting the Beyonders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then has the traditional Jonathan Hickman white page with text oh, on it. Oh, shit. I was afraid he was going to do the that. The multiverse dying. Only two universes remain. Today, Earths collide. And then it goes into the the what I know is the final incursion. Mm-hmm. Because I've read enough back, you know, like I've read enough interviews and I've read enough backstory on it. Right. Um, I have no idea what new readers would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and all the way through, like I have, I have no idea. At one point today, actually on on Tumblr, Chad Nevitt was like, "Oh yeah, that's you know, that's all the setup that John Hickman created in his Ultimate Run years ago." <laughs> and I was just like, "Holy shit! Like that's what I need to read to understand this shit." <laughs> After reading 70 fucking issues of Avengers and New Avengers? And all the Fantastic Four issues. Oh, God. That's what I'm saying. Like, it seems to be, to fully understand Secret Wars number one, Mm -hmm. you have to have read everything Hickman has written in Marvel short of Secret of Warriors. Which seems, in a way, supposedly almost awesome, right? Like, I mean, that's just it. Like, part of me is like, if Grant Morrison did that, I'd be on board. Exactly. Because, you know, I would have read all those comics. Right. But, and I don't. I really can't tell if uh, Secret Wars is completely exclusionary or exclusionary because, again, I know too little to get everything, but I know too much to not to just let it go. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? Like there really is a a, a, a really tough spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like his Avengers books a cast page, mm-hmm. which is split into Earth six one six open brackets Marvel Universe. And then that's split into the Illuminati, the Avengers, Fantastic Four, X-Men, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Humans, and, off to the side, Doctor Doom and the Molecule Man. Then there's Earth-1610, open brackets, Ultimate Universe, and that's uh, various heroes, and then the Cabal on Earth-1610 on Earth from Earth-616. There is like 50 people on this cast page. <laughs> I shit you not. And when I got to that, I was like, oh god, I don't want to read any further. There's that many people in this issue? <laughs> Um, and again, as a newcomer, I don't know what I'd make of that. Because, first of all, it suggests that all of those people are going to play important roles in the book. They're not. Oh, yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there are 50 people on there, and it's like, She-Hulk, mm-hmm. Pod, I don't even know who or what Pod is, um, Manifold, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Franklin Richards. Spoilers, not all of these people will even have lines of dialogue in the comic. Right. You just, which, which is something that I learned because as you, as you pointed out, Hickman did this in the Avengers and new Avengers cast pages, especially his Avengers run where it was like, you know, it's like, here's my beautiful spiral star pattern and here's the six heroes I'm going to highlight. And then it just ends up being about one of them, you know, but the other ones yeah. are in the background and it's like, I don't know if that's good or not, you know? It's like, yes, I know that that's the master of Kung Fu brewing a cup of tea. But anyway, so yes, go on. So yeah, so you have you have a very Hickman story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's in the world that everyone is, 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 oh my God, we're all panicking. We're all doing things, but you're not going to find out what any of the things actually are. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. what if we plug this manifold into this thing? Oh no, it's not worked. Reality is dying. Um, and so if that's your thing, then that's your thing, I guess. But all the way through it, it just read like, you know, this is actually Avengers number whatever. You know, something. I, I have uh, to say, I think you've stumbled on the Jonathan Hickman formula, though. Like, you know, you know, those sequences in movies where, like, they're, they're trying to fix something 
you know, and it's always like, or like even in like the Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, turn it on, Chewie, turn it on. And then like all the lights go off or something like that. That is the essence of Jonathan Hickman's like the Avengers. It's like 70 issues of like, well, what happens if you plug this on and then turn those lights on? Oh, no, a universe has died. OK, OK, let's yeah. not do yeah. that. You know, let's do this. What happens if we plug the Infinity Gem into Doc Brown's DeLorean? You know, it, it's it's fascinating that that's his that's his dramatic arc, really. Yeah, it's it, and so you so you get a lot of that. You get a lot of we have a secret weapon. You know, intense mm-hmm. shots cut to you know something that'll end up being incredibly mundane. It's a bigger spaceship, um, and the uh, but the end of it is. They don't. Oh, also, Cyclops becomes a phoenix again. Oh, somehow because uh-huh. because he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how that happened. Even I, he appeared to have like he pretty much is like uh, he has a phoenix egg that's ready to hatch, and then all of a sudden he's phoenix. Hmm. I guess that's payoff for uh, Avengers vs X Men. I guess <laughs> I'm really not sure. Um, short version. <laughs> It all fails. The uh, the Earths the worlds collide, and that's the end of it. And then the final page, hilariously, is another page of graphics that says the Marvel Universe, nineteen sixty one to twenty fifteen, the Ultimate Universe, two thousand to twenty fifteen. Like they're actually dead. Do you know what I mean? It's wow. like you're right. There's no Marvel Universe after this. That's because Marvel's stopping all of its comics. <laughs> Marvel's stopping all of his comics. There won't be a Marvel universe, you guys. I'm completely convinced. <laughs> um, there are there are a couple of things that are, I hope, meant to be funny and not meant to be. I mean, they've got to be funny. There is a Wilson Fisk sends out an email invite for for to all the villains to watch the end of the world. Um, I know, right? Uh, and but you get the you get the email addresses, which is the f- funniest thing. To lizard at coldbloodeds.com, hit oh, the God. target at its.com, who at whocares.com, oz at amazinghair.net, and 18 more from wfisk at fiskindustries.com, re end of world. This is actually in the, in the comic. Um, and this this get together of villains because of course the kingpin is going to want to have a beer with the bad guys. That's totally in character, right? Oh my god! Um, no, dude, dude, I may actually have to upgrade Spider Gwen just a little bit more okay. in this. Well, of- well, I've not finished. Do you remember uh, the Scourge storyline in Captain America in the eighties? Mm-hmm. And Scourge walks into like the villains bar and kills everyone. Yes. So it's that scene, but it's Punisher. Oh no! Yes, right. Completely weird. Uh, I mean, it's got to be a joke, right? It has to be a joke. Oh um, man! Yeah, yeah. So, so that happens. Um, yeah, it's a, it's such a weird comic, but it as a first issue to a big event. Mm-hmm. It's it's feels amazingly insular, mm-hmm. amazingly mm-hmm. insular, um, and. For all the for like for all the funny emails, mm-hmm. like humorless. <laughs> That's not true. Not humorless. Self-important. Is that the problem with Hickman? Because I think we've talked about this before. Trying to figure out how, what's the deal with his sense of humor is always uh, baffling to me. Like it because there's times where it's like, oh, he's trying to be funny, and or he's actually being funny, and then there's all this other stuff where it's like, how can someone with even an ounce of 
awareness kind of write this, I suppose, you know? Um, but yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's a self-importance thing. You know, and I hate to be a quibbler, <laughs> although would but we have a podcast with... without one, uh, is the way that it sort of seems like to me, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm, I'm being all like whiny. I'm like, Secret Wars should have started on Battleworld. You know what I mean? Because the original one did. There's something that's a little like, I don't know if you have to have a Road to Secret Wars miniseries or just the fact that all this stuff is still happening seems a little, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it, let's put it this way. It's frustrating to me because in that sense, it's very Bendisy. Like the idea of like, oh, you know, here's our big event, you know. Well, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. He also couldn't do that because Age of Ultron started in media res and people lost their shit. Yeah, that's well true. I guess that is true. Like, like he has he has good enough reason to be like, oh, I guess I've got to show what happens. Right. The problem is, well, the problem's multifold. One of the problems uh, is that a, a lot of what's happened is in Avengers. Mm-hmm. So if this issue is meant to get everyone up to speed. It's not doing a great job. Like, mm-hmm. it's getting up to speed insofar as, well, I guess there's two Earths and they're in conflict for some reason. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of versions of the heroes we know. Okay. And then something bad happens. Right. But it doesn't really explain the core concepts behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I think is not so much a problem as much as a giveaway. Mm-hmm. You don't need to show the status quo at the start of a story if you're not planning on returning to the status quo. Hmm. I feel that by making the first issue like, this is the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. you are signaling that all of your conversations about the Marvel Universe moving forward as Battle Worlds are false. That that could that could very well be. Unless... I, I feel I feel that you're signaling a return to it. I could be wrong. Well, you know, it's funny because I think that one of the to, to look back on the original Secret Wars, like with Jim Shooter, like when everyone sort of piles into that little spaceship in Central Park and disappears, you definitely get a sense they're coming back. You know what I mean? Like, sure, but again, that... that didn't that didn't happen in the books. Secret Wars one. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. The original so, Secret Wars one start, yeah. starts like, "Oh, here we all are." Yes, which is which is why I'm really shocked they kind of didn't do that here. Almost, but well, I am clearly shocked they didn't do it. But but yeah, that's what's kind of what I mean is is there's a little bit of the if you do it that way, there you know you start off Secret Wars, everyone is on the planet, and that has a certain allure all its own. But if you're actually going to have Hickman lay waste to the planet in the first couple of issues and you actually he actually shows you it getting destroyed and then puts people on battle world then i think there is a way in which it it does seem to suggest like oh no think this is this is totally going to change and and as you pointed out by having it sort of pop up because as a continuation of the whole avengers story you know, there. Um, at least the the problem for a new reader is you don't get a sense of that. But for you know someone who like read the previous sixty goddamn issues of the thing, you're like, oh, okay, this is this kind of is a culmination of you know a previous ongoing story or two stories. If you if Chad's right about the the ultimate stuff, 
So well, three stories because you're also including the Fantastic Four. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, again, part of me is like, if I hadn't read those like fifty goddamn issues of, of his stuff, I'd be like, and even now, part of me was like. I was kind of tempted to go get that first issue. I'm like, but Jeff, you didn't even really, how much you actually liked having, you know, having read those issues um, was, I don't know. You know, again, I think, as you know, sometimes I talk about what we, what I get out of comics, you know, these days. And part of it was like, I didn't enjoy reading the Hickman books, but having read them, it was that deal of like, oh, I'm kind of up to speed. I'm sort of fluent in what's going on. You know? Which is, I think, that uh, uh, a lot of the appeal of the Marvel line and, you know, definitely the DC line over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're reading them to keep up with them. Yeah. You're not reading them because you like them. You're reading them because you, sh- you have to read them. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. There, um, there's there, that there's... feeling of fluency, you know? So there's this very odd panel in the middle of Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Very odd. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy are fighting the the Ultimate Universe people. Mm-hmm. And Rocket Raccoon goes, nice shooting Drax. There goes a billion dollars worth of red and gold crap because he's just shot Ultimate Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Groot then says, I am Groot. Mm-hmm. And Rocket Raccoon then says, and this is fucking surreal. <laughs> I do remember when comic books were only a dollar. A billion dollars worth of crap. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Uh-huh. Like, really weird? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I... Yeah, I mean, it... Because it's, 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 it comes from nowhere. It's clearly pointed. Right, right. I, the weird part, I guess, is it's clearly like... Like, it's wackily passive-aggressive. And that it made it into the final comic. Well, uh, like, is that not something that you like? You put in there, and your editor laughs, and then you pull out. Really? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, on the on the one hand, of course, it's that idea of like, okay, you've got you've got Groot and Rocket. You know, Groot says things, Rocket hears what he wants to hear you know, kind of concept, like, and you get your non-secular hijinks in that way. But I don't know. I mean, is, 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 is Hickman, because Hickman is a dude who is odd. Um, you know, is this his odd way of saying like, no, seriously, like we're, I'm, I'm blowing up the Marvel universe now, you know, like I'm, I, we're going to build something. We're going to, you know, as, as a weird as a weird meta wrestling move, you know what I mean? Like it's Jonathan Hickman's heel turn, you know? It's like, oh, I'm putting this cap. I'm here's a phrase that I'm putting in here so that the fanboys freak out and are convinced that I'm going to destroy the Marvel universe, you know? But it doesn't like it's, but it's so clumsy. Like it's so clumsy that you're like, isn't that just a passive aggressive shit talking comment? And and. And you could well be right. For me, it really feels like this idea of like, oh no, we're you know, I, you know, here I am. I'm trash talking because I'm going to really make people think that I'm I'm going to do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna push the shiny, candy colored button. You know, I just, I, 
I've honestly gone from they're totally going to reboot everything to they're not. I've done a complete 180. When the initial announced, I was like, oh, fuck, it's a reboot. It's totally a reboot. And the more I see of it, the more I'm like, you're not rebooting at all. And there's nothing in this issue that makes me convinced that that I should take even the um, like the, the ultimate universe death, quote-unquote, as, as serious. Because, well, I mean, sure – they might not replace it with the Ultimate Universe, but I'm sure they'll replace it with something else. Well, Spider-Gwen Universe. Right. Well, I mean, Spider-Gwen Gwenverse is, is floating around there, you know. I mean, it's not it's not like they had her universe disappear, you know, as a result of an incursion, you know. I mean, it's just... Even though it should have, because Sp- uh, Secret Wars yes. is it's the last two universes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, really, that's supposed to be... that. You know, you're supposed to take them... You know, and that's the thing. Back in the eighties, they were so literal minded. Is that's what they would have done? They would have done it in the last three panels of an issue. Whereas, like, wait, what's that Earth? And suddenly, everything's wiped out in a blinding light. You know, kind of deal. But they would have done it. Whereas now, it's that thing of like, you know, comics have such a like. Is anyone really paying attention? You know, is is it just editor editors being asleep at the wheel or not talking to each other or? Or is it just an assumption, like you said, that that it's just – it's kind of I – think, I think the Marvel guys do that a lot. Like that whole fear itself thing where everything got redone, undone instantly, instantly in a way that the, – the, and then afterwards everyone would – you know, in editorial and Fraction himself was kind of like, but don't you get it? That's the part that's funny, right? Isn't that funny? And – and fans were kind of not so amused at it, you know? I'm just, it's it's the oddest, like, I, it's the oddest book to me. And mm-hmm. I just, I've just, maybe I've followed lots of Marvel fans on Twitter, but people are, like, crazily excited. Are they? Yeah, I saw, I saw someone be like, if Marvel put out all the Secret Wars books, I would have bought them all this week because I'm that pumped about Secret Wars 1. Wow. And I was just like, huh. Because that was that that was a, a that was a comic I felt almost nothing for. Well, but I that's think, not true. I felt dumb for paying five dollars. You felt dumb for paying five bucks, right? Which is not the reaction you're supposed to have. But again, I think there is that idea of like for people who want their want the idea that something is happening. You pick up that book and you're like, well, holy shit, something is happening. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I remember being people being very excited by like I don't know the first issue of. House of M or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that idea like, of like this what? this is House of M. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Reality is over. Right. There's a new reality now. Yeah. Right. And it's then you House get to M. the end and then boom. Like it just they've done they've done it ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a problem if they're not rebooting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if they don't do something dramatic at the end of it, mm-hmm. then it is just shown to be House of M. House of M on a massive scale. House of M with a lot more tie-ins. Like, I think the number of tie-ins are, is actually over 50 at this point. Good God. Yeah. No, I mean, that sort of thing sounds kind of brutal. But let's say, I mean, I don't know, Graham. I mean, if you weren't the sort of person, you know, if 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 we weren't who we were, if we weren't slobs who, like, read stuff, uh, like, in my case, read stuff on the internet, and in your case, write stuff on the internet and have access to... to to people who are actually like plotting this stuff or have access to other people. In other words, if it wasn't a situation where 
I hadn't been reading every day for a year a website that was telling me that, that the X-Men and the Fantastic Four were going to go away, you know, would that seem like a pretty big deal to you at the end of an, uh, an event? If, if at the end of this event, everything basically sort of ends up the same, except the Fantastic Four are completely gone and the X-Men that, are... That would still seem like a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to do it. Like, we actually know they're not doing it. Know that we're, they're not... I mean, they're canceling the FF, but you're saying that yeah, they're, but, they're not. Yeah, but we know that the character's going to be around. Right. Human Torch has shown up in the Uncanny Inhumans teaser. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've played that hand already. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they if they did... that, Remember there was the rumor that, you know, X-Men was going to be spun off into its own universe and reality would be rewritten and right. Fantastic Four would never have existed. That would be big to me. Yes. It would be a, would be a quote-unquote permanent change. I say permanent while rolling my eyes, because let's face it, it would be permanent for less than 10 years. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. It would be permanent for, you know, at most five. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I don't even think they're going to do that. Right. You think they'll break up the team, they'll put X-Men maybe on their own planet of, you know, for like two years or I, three I years of super that, space I, opera. I saw that rumor on, on Bleeding Cool then, yeah. Yeah. Readers who don't know what we're talking about, Bleeding Cool ran a rumor uh, today as we're recording that um, the post-Secret Wars, the X-Men are going to leave Earth Mm -hmm. uh, altogether because the Terrigen Mists are going to end up being revealed to be poisonous for mutants. Um, And that just seems like such a bad idea to me. I mean, such a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. But... You know, we'll see what happens, and one way or another, the status quo will be returned to in the next decade. Right. No, I mean, there is that. There is kind of the, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i curious, Graham, were, how close were you reading Marvel Comics when uh, the onslaught happened and everyone disappeared into the beach ball? Okay, so you weren't I reading... I wasn't reading at all. Uh, uh, comics at all, or even, or just Marvel? I wasn't reading Marvel. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there was one Marvel book I was reading at that point. Right. Right. So, so you're kind of like me in that because I was kind of like I wonder. You know, I was going to ask you if like maybe when that happened, you were like, "Oh, holy shit!" You know. But I kind of I think it's really. Well, I I, I remember I remember the holy shitness of it all. Yeah. I I do because rem- I remember the coverage of it. Mm-hmm. I remember people just being like, "They're actually doing this." I remember people being. I remember. Before Age of Apocalypse was announced, mm. the holy shitness because Marvel announced that they were canceling the X Men books first. Mm. Mm-hmm. They right. did that the month before they talked about uh, Age of Apocalypse. Right. That they were just canceling the line, and I remember that mm-hmm. really, really, really well. Um, and it was the same kind of thing, but but Heroes Reborn was a different thing because Heroes Reborn was very much. Like, Marvel is in free fall. Everything's up for grabs. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is nuts and very upsetting for lots of fans, but it's also a way for these characters to stay in publication because otherwise that might not happen. Mm. You know? Right. Whereas now it'll just be, you know, wacky shit happened. Right. Right. There's, there's no sense of... Um... I mean, there is a weird, like, behind the scenes. So back then, there was a kind of a feeling of of drama or urgency because it it seemed as if there were real world 
causes to it, and therefore yeah, it has... Well, it's real causes, and therefore it might actually mean something. Right, it might mean something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the... I remember... And I might... this You know, this might be my 20-year-old memory completely fucking up on me. But I remember when the X-Men books were being announced as cancelled, uh, it was definitely reported in some places that that was because Image had been such a success that Marvel was just like, well, X-Men isn't doing the job anymore. We'll have to come up with something new. Mm, wow. You know? Which is nuts to think about now. Yeah, I'm just like, congratulations, irresponsible reporter, whoever you were. That's amazing. So... But but no, it's just no one believes that any of these Marvel characters are going away. Do you know what I mean? Right. You just don't. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely. I I don't. I mean, but I mean, or even the idea of if they do, it's just going to be a a vacation, which is which in some well, cases yeah. some of those characters I, need. You know. But at this point, I think the the most anyone expects is it will be like a Thor type thing where yeah. the character rested for like three years. Right. Right. And very purposefully rested to be brought back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's um, Secret Wars one is. I'm really glad people are liking it, but for me, it is everything I expected. Having read enough of Jonathan Hickman's book, right? That's not true. The art is really weirdly distracting. Hmm. Uh, Isad Rebic is is great. Mm-hmm. At, at almost everything. Yeah. He has this really, really weird habit. I say habit. It might just be like something he's purposefully doing in this issue. Of drawing women making the O face. <laughs> like being shocked. Mm-hmm. But like cheesecakey. Mm-hmm. That, that, that does sound familiar, I have to say. And it's really like, huh. <laughs> What's that? Sue Storm is, is Sue Storm is shocked because she's about to disintegrate. She looks okay with it. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, that does sound distracting. I I have to say. Very yeah, it's 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 a weird book. I mean, books like Secret Wars, and really only really comes down to Marvel books like that, are completely review proof. Mm-hmm. For all my joking, uh, oh, the Marvel Universe is over, it's just going to be blank pages from now on, Marvel could release blank pages for the next six issues and it would still be the most selling book of the month. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could probably, they could certainly do that for one, I guess. It know? doesn't matter mm-hmm. that I think it's weird. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that people even think it's good. Mm-hmm. People just need to think it's important. Right. Wow. That that's That's a brilliant way to put it. Brilliant way to put it. Uh, any chance you can tie in uh, Tim O'Neill's essay on Marvel, uh, which you linked yeah, to on your only, Tumblr? Only by saying this, it's great, people. Yeah, I uh, have to it's say, really, it's really, really good. Tim O'Neill uh, retells the, the history of, of Marvel comics mm-hmm. um, with a focus on the role Stan Lee plays, mm-hmm. and. It's not what you think it is from that description. Yeah. It's it's something much smarter and much sadder. And and really like Jeff, you I'm sure you'll put a link in the in the show notes. Yes. But um oh god, is it 
I know it's called Whelm of the Hurting Stop, but is it the Hurting Dot Blogspot? Well, you know, it's so funny because actually the, the it's it's when will the Hurting Stop dot Blogspot dot com exactly yeah, and then the uh, website calls itself the Hurting itself the Hurting yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. So what you're looking for, people who do not look at the show notes, is you want to go to when will the Hurting Stop dot Blogspot dot com, and you're looking for a post from Tuesday, May the fifth, called Excelsior, mm-hmm. and that's all I will say. Quite good. It reminds me of, of course, perhaps unsurprisingly, of some of the stuff that we've talked about on here. Uh, so, yeah, I think pe- people who have enjoyed our ruminations uh, will get a lot out of it because um, it's a really, really strong essay. Not, not just for the take on it, but also for the tone, which I think is is pretty brilliant. So I, I, re- I thought it was a really, really good piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that's how I'm tying in. I don't really want to say anything more about it because I think that if you go into it relatively fresh, yes, that, then it 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 works better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good little piece of thing. Uh, Graham, anything else you want to talk about? Like we are we're coming up on uh, we got maybe another ten minutes or so. So there's there's a couple of things mm-hmm. I uh, catching up in Valiant, which uh, remains just things that make me very happy. Mm-hmm. The surprise for me is Matt Kint's stuff has gone from reading last because it was my least favorite to reading first. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not quite sure why, mm-hmm. but his stuff on Ninjak, Unity, and especially Divinity um, is, is just really well done stuff and, and really stuff that embraces the shared universe in a way that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, Divinity in particular surprised me in the second issue when it was like, oh no, this is in the Valiant universe. Mm. I, I did not expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're reading the entire line, then really in a very strange way, and I'm not sure if it's intentional or not, but plays into a power vacuum that's been left behind with the end of Harbinger. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, I, I'm really, it's it's going together really well. And again, I don't know how much of this is coincidence and how much of this is grand design. If it's grand design, then it's done really well. Um, but also uh, Imperium, which is the replacement book for Harbinger. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it. Um, for those who have been quasi-reading along and have then dropped off, Harbinger was in part the story of uh, the Harada Foundation, with Harada being evil Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. By the time Imperium rolls around, he's just come out as being evil and has taken over an African nation. And it's like, you're all going to leave me alone or I will end the world. Hmm. And it is, a, it is a series about him now, now that he's done that. The Very Harbinger Foundation is, is no more. Um, and it's, it's a, it is a very political superhero book. And so I'm really appreciating it. And, and, very willing to be weird at the same time. So the main characters are uh, Harada, but also uh, Sunlight on Snow, who is a robot, the first conscious artificial intelligence who came about by mistake, hmm. who no one believes is is really a, a real thing. And so he's like, no, I, I can think for myself. I'm fully autonomous. And everyone's like, nah, are you though? You're a robot. <laughs> Um, and there's, uh, an alien. It ties in with the Exo Man of War, uh, mythology. So there's, there's one of the vine. 
And there's a renegade member of the hardcore who is the central central point of the third issue, which is the one I just read. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tying together lots of pieces of mythology, but it's very, you know me, Jeff. I, I'm I'm not one for grim for the sake of grim, mm-hmm. but I kind of love the utterly dystopian tone of this book. <laughs> uh, in large part because it starts off, the first issue opens in the future. And it's like, oh, it was all worth it. Like, this guy did all these terrible things, but look at us now. We are, like, humanity is at this amazing place. And then it's like, and now to go back to the present, and everything is hopeless. (laughs) Everything is hopeless, and everyone is a dick. And everyone is fucking everyone up. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, that I, I have to say, you make a good, strong case for it. I'm like, hmm, I am intrigued. And, of course, I'm like, oh, God, I, you know. <laughs> I've got, like, nine million Valiant comics, like, set aside <laughs> that that I, I that I suppose I could skip over a huge chunk of them and jump into it. Because I don't have anything that's at all recent. But it's it's interesting that you're uh, – I'm glad that you're digging it, I must say. I, I really am. And it's uh, – I like you, I had a, a chunk left over for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I really just was like, I'm sitting down reading these because I know, like, I remember I like Valiant. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm not up to date, but I remember I like Valiant, and I'm like months behind in all of these books, so I'm just going to catch up. Mm. Uh, and I really like, I was like, yes, on board, on board with almost everything. Hmm. That's great. So, yeah, it, yeah. it's it it, it might have worked. Like, it might be better that you do read, like, you do read them like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how how each of these individual stories would have read in individual issues. Right, right. But as For, a big like, old... Reading them in chunks, is, it's been great. Well, I, I certainly have enough saved up. Uh, for, my, for my part, I think uh, I told you last week, uh, which really wasn't a full week, but uh, that I had been – I had read like a hundred and – Yes, are you still reading? Yeah, well, so what happens is there is a, an inexplicable gap, and this is the second time this has happened with me on a Crunchyroll series, where uh, I read like the first 108 chapters of Sun Ken Rock, and then there is a jump of 30 chapters or so. It picks back up again at 138. Wait, wait. There, there's a jump because you're missing issues? Yes, yes. It is, okay. it, it's, it's like, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but... Uh, you know, they put a bunch of Vision and Scarlet Witch issues on Marvel Unlimited this week. Um, yes, uh, I, yes, I did notice. Did you notice that they also have still left out issue four, so it is still incomplete, even though yeah. they have – I was like, God. Is it only me. issue four? I thought there was more than – I, I, I think it's just issue four. I think I think they have issues one through three, and then they filled in the rest, so there's issues five through 12. And for whatever reason, issue four is – not there. Uh, this has happened to me with the the other series, with the series that I genuinely, you know, full stop, no reservations, adored, um, uh, of which I'm like the title is like, and and yet the town moves. I think is the is the English variation or translation of it. Also had like a strong a hundred. The first hundred installments, and then for whatever reason, Crunchyroll has a gap that is apparently an entire collected volume, and then picks up twenty, you know, twenty issues uh, installments at later, and it's just like, what the fuck are you doing to me? Sun Ken Rock, it's even a little more problematic because 
Um, amazingly enough, the stuff that's set up in the first two volumes, three volumes of Sun Ken Rock play up later in this, like there's the, the, the big baddie who's, who's set up in issue two comes back with his master plan, like, you know, 60, 70 installments later. And it's the big showdown between the two teams. And then suddenly the storyline, like the very finale of the storyline and the start of the next storyline, which is the final arc of the series, um, is just missing on Crunchyroll. So I, I That's actually, super weird. It is super weird and super frustrating. So I did something that I never do, which is I I went to one of the illegal manga sites and read Jeff Lester. I feel somewhat okay about it in this particular case. Because Crunchyroll is a service that I'm paying for, and I feel kind of that it's just an oversight. It would be one thing if they were like, okay, we went up to issue episode 100, and then it's like the next 50 issues are in Japan, but we don't have the license. You know what I mean? But it picks back up in in this case at issue at chapter 138 and is still updating in real time. Like, if you go to the Crunchyroll page, you will see that Sun Ken Rock is updating on a bi-weekly basis, continuous with its publication in Japan. So, whatever the reason for that gap, I don't... I, I sort of feel like it's the same thing as issue four missing of, of Vision and Scarlet Witch. Like, and I could be wrong, but at least when I when this happened with the other series, um, and, and yet the town moves... Looking at the 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 Crunchyroll forums where people were like, "Hey, come on, what the fuck?" and there was a lot of speculation as to as to what why it did, what would happen and when it would complete. Um, that was a little more. Uh, I, I don't know. I just so so yes, Graham. I understand you wagging your finger at me. I am wagging my finger at you. I feel this is a a little more gray sure, than black sure and white. Sure you do. Sure you do. Oh my God, you are such an amazing butt. <laughs> hey, I have to, uh, before you talk about this a little more, because you mentioned Marvel Unlimited, I want to give you, Jeff, and you, listeners, a heads up. Yes. Uh, Marvel has done another of its surprise, we've added a shit ton of comics in the middle of the week things. Holy shit. Um, they've added a lot more Star Wars, a lot more Star Wars, but also uh, they've added like 15 issues of Marvel 2 in 1 and about 25 issues of Marvel Team Up. You are shitting me. Really? No, really. Yeah. Holy and like random shit. issues, Jeff. Random fuck issues. The two and what? The, sorry, the team up stuff seems to be the majority of the uh, Claremont burn run. Mm-hmm. But the two and one really does seem to be. I mean, maybe it's. Is the Project Pegasus storyline? Uh, it's issue four, sense. issue five, issue 18, issue 27, issue 42, issue 50, issue 53 through yes. 60. Then issue 64, 65, 66, 67, 80, and 86. Holy shit. That's some amazingly um, – well, I don't know about good stuff, but that is – that is some of that is the golden era of Marvel 2 and 1, I think. That is – Yeah. Dude, we didn't even have to do the petition that we were going to be doing. Maybe maybe people do. maybe people saw us just bitch about it on Twitter. Well, I really uh, was like, kind of like, yeah, we got to hit this on like, you know. Well, I, but here's the thing: like, looking at the issues, mm-hmm. it does look like it's uh, the Serpent Crown, mm-hmm. the 
Project Pegasus mm-hmm. and issues featuring ca- uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, right. So it's probably just stuff that ended and up Deathlock. being... And Deathlock. So chances are it's, you know, yeah. it's relevant for people's interests. I kind of suspected something like this was going to happen because a lot of this stuff has started to be added to Comixology. Ah, yeah. And generally, right. if you pay attention to Comixology, then it will show up eventually on Marvel Unlimited. Sort of. Sort of. I mean... After a while. I hope so. I mean, after a while. But I mean, one of the things that I, you know, <laughs> in my... OCD-ish way was when when they had that Marvel BOGO, I definitely went through there looking for stuff. And it was amazing. There was there was stuff. I mean, every once in a while, you'd come across something where it was like, like, I don't understand why they have so many issues of like, say, they have more issues of invaders on Marvel Unlimited. Why not just put them up for sale? Like on comics, why not just make them available? But then there was other stuff where it's like Deathlock is, there's a huge, there was, I bought all that Deathlock stuff because at the time, like none of it was available on Marvel Unlimited, which blew my mind because it was clearly sort of the same kind of deal. It's like Marvel had added a, you know, had done a recent trade of the stuff and therefore had redigitized a lot of it. And at that point was like, well, and let's put it into these other markets. And then ultimately Marvel unlimited at some point. Wow. There is a ton of star Wars shit. It is a 339 books. I'm so glad you told me because I did not look. And frankly, I would have seen this stuff in the also added this month and just assumed that it was all star Wars. I did not, I did not know. There's other stuff there, my friend. Wow. Wow. Well, that's pretty fabulous. I, I, you're welcome, Jeff, and you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Graham, awesome. thank you. I, I said I said it on Twitter, but I'll say it here for people who are not on Twitter. Um, also added to Marvel Limited this week is the Amazing Adventures run that includes Kirby's Inhumans. Yes, I saw the saw the Kirby's Inhumans, and I wanted to mention that because because um, that's pretty awesome. Part of me is will be really curious to see because honestly. I don't know. I don't remember that material. I mean, the, I remember the, the the art looking gorgeous, but I think it's someone writing over Kirby that I wasn't impressed with. It definitely, with. definitely does not feel – there's parts where it feels very Kirby. Mm-hmm. But there's also definitely parts where you're like, is Stan ghostwriting this? Yeah, yeah. Someone playing around with it? Because there's parts where it doesn't feel Kirby at all. Yeah. It's, it's a very – but yeah, the art is amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – it's fabulous. Um Wow, Doctor Strange issue seventy four. Well, there's some weird ass shit they dropped on here. Wow. Yeah, then, right. Just yeah. some weird random stuff. Mm-hmm. But there you go. It's all there. Jeff, you were going to talk about your uh, your manga some more, or were you done? I don't know. I didn't have much to say. Part of me was like, I'm still like, I'm still reading it. It was interesting reading it because um, my computer was in the shop, so uh, and my wife was was out of town, so I was using her jumbo iMac sort of thing, and reading pirated manga on like a twenty seven inch screen where you can launch it into full screen mode is is pretty stunning. I it really is kind of one of those experiences of like, oh, because you know I just I've never I, I'm not I'm I'm not comfortable. Uh, pirating comics but a lot of times the times that i've sort of been like well all the cool kids are doing it and i can read all this shit that is like that is never going to ever be in print ever and whenever i open it up it's kind of like 
that's weird on a computer. I wonder how some people, how anyone can do this. And seeing it on that big a screen, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I kind of get it. Oh, yeah. this is how you do it. Yeah. yeah, I have to admit, like, I'm not a, a pirate or at all. Mm-hmm. But every now and again, it's like, you know, Micronauts? Micronauts mm-hmm. never going to be brought back. Is ever is ever. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, ROM is exactly. never going to come back in print. Yeah. But I have to admit that's that's the stuff that leads me to back issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't I don't really do back issues, but ever now I a thing like I was with the Engelhard Justice Leagues, mm-hmm. where I was like, I have to get all of these. Right. I have to buy. <laughs> I have to buy the comics. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to wait for them to be on digital. I have to buy the comics. Right. Yeah, whereas I have to say, I Papa like his digital. I mean, even these even these Spider Gwens were things that I had bought the physical copies for, and had I read the first issue and then fell behind, and then I was like, oh, what if I just input the the digital codes, you know, and download them and read them that way? And I'm much happier that way, which is weird. So why are you buying print at all then? Well, there's. Two reasons, uh, and honestly, you're supporting your comic store. There's well, well, there's three in that case. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> wow. No, I mean the 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 thing is, is I feel like I've been honest about this before, uh, or or I've mentioned this before, but yeah, in the interest of full disclosure, as a former employee of Comics Experience, I get a discount, so I pay less for print than I pay for digital. Um, and so that's part of the weird reason why, even as I have sort of tried to move to kind of more of a paperless uh, comic experience, um, <laughs> comics experience is literally get, making sure that I, I continue to keep getting these things in paper. And now that I'm sort of wading super tentatively back into buying Marvel buying Marvel apart from just a subscription service like Unlimited, uh, knowing that I'm buying a comic and it comes with a digital copy is kind of nice. It's I, I have to say, it's one of those things that it, whenever I pick up a DC book, I'm like, damn it, why aren't you guys doing this? I mean, I know why you're not doing this. I know Marvel did it just to justify their price increase, but now it actually looks like I actually feel like I'm getting added value from their books that I'm I'm not getting yeah. from yeah. DC. It's so. true. I, I DC have been uh, slow to non-existent to pick up mm-hmm. a couple of obvious pluses that Marvel's done. One is the free digital copy, and one is the recap page. Yeah, like they both seem like no-brainers. The fact that they've not done either mm-hmm. is just nuts to me. Especially now that DC is dropping the combo packs mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, if you're doing that, then you can just offer free digital codes because you're not competing with your own product anymore. Well, the thing that I find amazing, and again, to bring back, you know, <laughs> rich and bleeding cool, uh, he's, he mentions the fact that people can, which is, can get copies of the Wonder Woman 77 collection cheaper. And it's more expensive than in print than digital. Yeah. Exactly. Now, admittedly, that's only through the Kindle, I think, which is something. But that's something that I pointed out with the with the whole weird case of the Bat manga stuff. But it really makes me think. Like DC is not paying attention to what they're doing with the digital stuff at 
it all it's a fucking free for all over there and and it and it drives me crazy because i really feel like i don't know if it originally started because there were dudes like you know the retailers were very much like you know you can't we don't want to be competing you know digitally day and date and DC took that really seriously at first and was like, okay, well, we'll just do these combo packs and special limited cases for a dollar more or whatever. And it, and just taught them that there was no value to it. I mean, it's strange because there's ways in which you hear people on the internet saying like, yeah, the great thing about Marvel digital codes is people are selling them. Well, they're selling them, which isn't so great, but they're giving them to other people as, you know, ways to get them hooked on the books, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and part of me is like, yeah, that's amazing. But of course, part of me is like, but Marvel really doesn't seem to be selling much more than DC really is, you know, like, I don't know if that's really helping them much, you know, so aren't they selling more? Are they? I I mean I I I it's been a while since I've looked at the charts. I I don't know. Maybe like maybe they're, they're not. I to... I I was just. I mean, if they are selling more, and they probably are selling more, it's probably not an appreciable amount. Well, see, that's the line. it. They might be selling like Marvel might be selling like I I get the sense that Marvel is in some cases trouncing DC on on certain months, but then on other months, DC pulls up and it never really feels, I don't feel like considering the majority of Marvel books have the Marvel codes and have had it for a year. If they're ahead of DC, it's by something where a book is ahead by maybe 5,000 copies, you know, unless I'm grossly misunderstanding it. I don't know. I have to admit that I have been somewhat amiss in keeping, I used to be that with, uh, Heidi's old slew of, you know, um, market people. I read that religiously. <laughs> you, you, yes, you'd learn things as opposed to the new slew who are getting consistently lazier. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, but it's oh, also... No, it's, there was the new guy, I want to say the new Marvel guy, like doesn't mm-hmm. even do numbers. Oh, really? God, maybe that's why part of me is like completely thrown off. So. I'm going to have to look and see if it is the new guy. Definitely one of the new guys says in his introduction, yeah, there's going to be less numbers. And then he just doesn't do numbers. Right, right. Well, I mean, I had a I had a point where this is changing now. But honestly, the last time I looked at Comics, Comics Beat, the page hadn't uploaded since April. So I actually spent a lot of time being like, no, that's not right. Like, and it turned out there was some problem with a cached page. But basically for the month of April, I was more or less looking – at, you know, comics, at looking at the beat going like, I can't believe she's actually this obsessed with Ju- Jupiter's circle becoming a movie. Like, this has been on the top of the Who page isn't? forever. Right, exactly. Who isn't? It's the fact that everyone's very, very excited. I don't know, man. So I I, I, I don't, um, where was I? Oh, Sun Ken Rock. Interesting. I have to say, interesting reading it in a, in a, in a gray market experience, um, edifying. I felt, you know, I'm ethically conflicted about it. <laughs> TM Jeff Lester, but uh, I, I just really, um, I can. I at least I'm a little closer to understanding the appeal. There's a little bit of the, oh, I kind of wasn't doing it right, kind of thing. But and then the flip side of this really is kind of like Marvel does have a format in which they, you know, they're they're 
letting people share codes, which I think is fabulous. But I don't know if we're really seeing, I mean, we're not seeing digital sales, so who knows? But I don't, I don't know if there's a cumulative effect to that, you know? I wish there was in a way, because it would be great if comics moved to uh, buy a print, get the digital code at the same time kind of thing. It just, it seems to be such a smart idea. But mm -hmm. comics and smart don't always go together. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yeah, okay. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, you yes. can find us all over the internet. Mostly at places that use the words Wait What Pod. Because we're at waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We're at waitwhatpodcast.com, where not only do the episodes get posted with uh, amazing show notes by Mr. Jeff Lester, unless it's a Baxter building, in which case it's long, tedious show notes by no, me. No, those are your show but notes. But they also. Are stop. Stop. <laughs> There's also. Uh, written posts by Jeff and myself each week. I finally is... know what Ernie and Gus Gus feel like, I have to say. <laughs> no, I, I didn't shout, guys, guys, that's what I shout with the dogs. That's true, you don't uh, say stop, really, yeah. Because uh, they don't understand stop. You understand stop, Jeff, come on. <laughs> they certainly do not. There is one thing that I have learned. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Um, we're also on Twitter. At, at Wait What Podcast. Uh, Jeff is on Twitter at, at LazyBastid, L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I am at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. -E -E and uh, you know, I have to say, as lovely as this is, we should modify this. Because unless there's a lot of uh, Hawaiian swimsuit model spam bots that have been listening to this podcast, I'm not packing up a lot of listeners. Are you? I mean, followers on, on Twitter, are you? Uh, you don't even keep track anymore. You're like in the many I, thousands. I, well, here's the thing. Like, I I know that I've I know that a bunch of people have been following me, but I don't know if they've come from the the podcast or not. Okay. Well, I'm being I'm being so, cynical. Be, I don't know. <laughs> people, if you start following us on Twitter because of the, the podcast, like say hello. Yeah, please. And, and now it will will know. Mm -hmm. Um. What else haven't I said? Oh, I've not said anything about Patreon. We are a Patreon-funded podcast, and I really should go and see how many people. It was 94 when we did the podcast last time. No, it was uh, 100. 104, and it has picked up 105 uh, because... Bum, bum, bum. Uh, oh, one of, uh, it's Al Kennedy, isn't it? That's right. Al Kennedy. I think Tim Callahan joined us last time, and this time Al Kennedy. So we are collecting... Even more superstar podcasters into our our Patreon vortex, uh, and we thank all of you, whether you are uh, podcast superstars or people who never think of making a podcast because you realize just how tedious it is to edit things. <laughs> oh my god, it can be amazing. I'd like to, people. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I, I, I would like to say once again, thank you, Jeff Lester. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's everywhere we are, isn't it? I think that's it. I think that's it. Well, I mean, that's us as us. I mean, that's everywhere I am. Graham McMillan, as you people all know, writes for 50 different sources on the internet. I and do not. I write for three. It Maybe is amazing. Graham, I have actually known that you've been away on vacation and then will watch your articles propagate over the weekend. It is, it is eerie stuff. It is eerie stuff. That's because you write ahead of time, Jeff. Uh, that that is because you write ahead of time, Graham. <laughs> I write at the last minute for like one source. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, anyway, 
Yes, I. If you are looking for me, I'm at the Hollywood Reporter Seat Vision blog. I'm uh, on Wired.com uh, and I'm on Playboy.com. That's fabulous. Thanks. We will be back next week. Next week. Yeah, next week. Next week is Baxter with building. a Baxter building. That's right. Yes. Jeff and I are going to have to, because I bet you Jeff's not done it, and I know I haven't read some Fantastic Four comics this week. Yeah, but at least I've got a little more time. Like, considering everything that was going on this week from the time that we podcast to this time, like, like I never would have gotten those Fantastic Fours. Now that we, now that I at least have a full week, I'm like, oh yeah, that'll be great. I'll crush it, you know? Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to be doing um, the big shit with the Fantastic Four. Oh my God. Yeah, we're doing forty-eight through fifty. I think we said forty-eight through fifty-four. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's Just right? those four issues. Um, uh, six, which issues. is mm-hmm. uh, Galactus and the Silver Surfer and this man's monster and some Black Panther. Yeah. Oh my God, it's going to be great fun. It's going to be great fun. Yeah. And prepare your minds to be blown. Or I forgot that we had only done six. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your Tharg impersonation. But I, I didn't realize that we had committed to uh, – didn't remember we were only doing six. That's going to be awesome. That means I get to reread right. half that run and then do do it. So it's going to be beautiful. Borak Thung, Jeff. <laughs> Squatron, Graham. Squatron. <laughs> Splendrick Berthrick. Shit! What's the other one that goes with Squatron? Uh, Spafon. Spafon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mike Mulcher, if you're listening, we are both clearly auditioning to your 2008 podcast. Come on, just bring us on so we can talk Tharg language. Oh, my God. I can't believe that he hasn't gotten you tapped you for it. I mean, that would be... Just to do Tharg language? Yes! I'm available. Yeah. I'm available to do Tharg language on anyone's podcast. <laughs> People take him up on it. Graham will. Oh, please, he calls me up at weird hours don't. of the night. And... <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> oh, people! Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. It uh, it really does mean a lot. Uh, we apologize for our completely surreal all over the place podcast this week I feel that if the last one was relatively on top of our game Jeff this one slightly more discombobulated a little discombobulated but come on people where else can you hear about Hex in uh uncomfortable in a 2015 podcast yeah who else is talking about Hex in 2015 no one but us yeah that's pretty much true we we can make that promise Because if anyone else tries, we'll kill them. That's right. That's right. We'll hunt them down. Graham will. Uh, this is getting even sillier. So, Graham, do you just want to sing us out? Bye! So good. So good. Ah, thank you. 